Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold! Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! And with me is Dr. Zahn. Hey! Welcome to Silver and Gold. Uh, I feel like poop. Zom, how are you, sir? Um, I feel pretty good. Uh, pretty good. It's been uh, a couple weeks now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've just uh, had a nice day, went for a long motorcycle ride, uh, and I'm back. The... Um yeah, we, we did take a week off. We had the weird weird scheduling last week. I was leaving town, and uh, but uh, we did act like child like like uh, children on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. So if you want to listen to their episode two fifty, you can get your uh, your fill if you missed us last week, Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple uh, westerns this week. Sorry, like I said, I'm feeling a little little under the weather, so uh, my voice is a little weird. But um, we got a couple westerns this week chosen by. Uh, Scott Clickers from Married with Clickers podcast. Check them out. They have a good show. I know Zom's a big fan. Jaw. So uh, we're doing um, Monty Walsh from 1970 and The Hunting Party from 1971. I don't know what the double is still, but uh, yeah. (laughs) American Westerns from the 70s. Sure, why not? 70s. Iconic 70s actors with big mustaches. Yeah, there you go. Okay, that's good, too. So, Zom, what have you been watching this past, well, this past couple weeks? Your list is probably like 80, so maybe we should cover There's a lot. (laughs) So, I mean, but um, I'll run through them because some of them are ones that we have talked about before or that, you know, pretty, or people know a lot about. Uh, The first one is 1998's Ronan, directed by John Frankenheimer. Starting Robert De Niro and Jean Reno. I like this movie, and it was on TV, so I watched it. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did. Um, I think it's, I, I, it's uh, right up there. I would watch this. I have watched this movie a lot, and we'll watch it again. Lots of action. I like the mercenary stuff and uh, the MacGuffin and all that crap. Next thing I watched was a movie called Il Legato Pardo. Or 1963, The Leopard, starring or uh, directed by Lucino Visconti, and it stars Bert Lancaster, <laughs> Elaine Delon, and uh, Claudia Cardinal. Uh, I have never seen this movie. I know I started watching it a couple times, and I, as everybody knows, I love Bert Lancaster. I love Elaine Delon. 
and uh, Claudia Cardinal is one of is is a an actress that I would love to have spent some time with me if you know what I mean. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, this movie was <laughs> fucking long, and it was hard to get through. <laughs> I I know it is a classic. Um, I think it's a has a Criterion uh, release. Uh, it's just it's very long, and um, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just it, it, it seems like there's a lot of uh, nothing going on. I mean, there's a lot going on, but yeah. it just did not compel me. So anyway, Bert. I mean, I know you. You know, it's it's worth a view, but I mean, you better have some time. And and uh, I, the last thirty minutes, I was like, okay, what the fuck's gonna hey, come on? You know, get her done. Uh, next thing I watched, I had never heard of before, and I have not finished it, so I will have to talk about it later. <laughs> okay. No, um, I I haven't finished it, but it's a movie called 1999: A Walk on the Moon. And it's on Netflix Instant, and the reason I found it was because it stars Viggo Mortensen, and I was looking up some Viggo movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, directed by Tony Goldwyn, and also has uh, Liev Shriver and Diane Lane in it. And uh, I started watching, I was like, fuck, man, this is really good. And then I looked at the trailer, and the trailer was saying, you know, like had these critics' reviews, you know, best movie of the year, blah, 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 and all this and that. So I'm going to have to finish watching it, but it's pretty good. And uh, Vigo is known as the Blouse Man. <laughs> uh, and I also, I forgot to write this down, but I watched uh, Eastern Promises again with yeah. Vigo and v- Vincent Casal. I saw you post that one. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's fucking good. Still yeah. good. Uh, Vigo uh, was uh, fucking fighting with his little shriveled up cold dong, which is all right. Um, I watched uh, The Night They Killed Rasputin, which is a 1960 movie uh, directed by Pierre Chanal. And uh, this one um, starred John Drew Barrymore as the titular Rasputin and that is Drew Barrymore's dad and John Barrymore's son uh, and he wasn't in a lot of really top-notch stuff because he was a real I mean he carried on the family tradition of substance abuse no. a lot from what I understand but I like uh, so I've said on the show before I like movies about Rasputin uh, and uh, I just got a book about Rasputin which is uh, one of these ones that um, has come out since the Soviet Union fell, and there's a lot of records that have come open or cool. you know have been become available. And I, I haven't read it yet, or I haven't actually got it yet. I just ordered it the other day. I uh, watched uh, 1980s Rage, and it's Rage because it has an exclamation uh, point <laughs> after it. And this stars David Soul, James Whitmore, and Craig T. Nelson. It also has Vic Tavak, Yafet Koto, Robert Davey, and Jonathan Banks. It's got a fucking pretty all-star cast. It's a made-for-TV movie, which I saw a long time ago. And this was when uh, David Soul was still pretty big from Starsky and Hutch. I'm going to take a drink of this delicious cappuccino. Slurp. And uh, he was um, trying to do some new stuff. Oh, it also has Tom Noonan in it. Um, has some, uh, tried some new and challenging shit. And this is about as challenging as, as it can get because on Starsky and Hutch, Hutch was, you know, the real nice guy of the, you know, Starsky was nice too, but he was the wholesome white bread guy. Well, in right. this movie, he plays a rapist 
And the whole movie is kind of a psychological study of, you know, this guy. It's, it's all about this unit in this, uh, I guess, prison where they would send all these guys that were sex offenders or rapists and they would put them through all this extensive therapy. And I guess it's a true story or whatever. But it's really good. And like I said, I mean, that cast, every time you turn around, somebody else is popping up. But it's it's good and it makes you think. Yeah. Oh, let's see. David Soul, Hutch rapes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he rapes Starsky. Let's see here. Where? Okay, wait a minute. What the fuck? Fuck a duck. And duck the fuck. This next movie I watched, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, okay. I was going to say what it was also known as, but... Uh, the movie is Pour la, pour la peau d'un flic. <laughs> and uh, it is also known as For a Cop's Hide. And this stars Alain Delon, uh, Anne Parlo, Parlo uh, Daniel Calcaldi, <laughs> Jean-Pierre Barras, <laughs> Xavier Debras. No, Barras. Um, yes, yes, uh, Xavier Debras. This was pretty good because, uh, first of all, I got it on Netflix Instant Watch. It was directed by Elaine Delon, and um, it has one of the worst songs. Uh, <laughs> you know how I said the one, the one movie, and I can't remember which one it was, with Franco Nero, where they say, Driving down the road. Yes. <laughs> okay, this one has a song just like that. It might even be by the same guy. I'm not sure. But I'm telling you what, this fucking song was awful, and they played it. Like every chance they got. <laughs> it also has a Neil Diamond song, so I don't know if if uh, Elaine Delon was friends with Neil Diamond or something, possibly at one time. Um, but the song, it was almost like um, a Tom Waits sort of. <laughs> but the lyrics are awful and i mean it was just ooh, and i like tom waits but this that was awful uh, that really stood out but it, it was almost kind of like elaine delon was he's a former cop but he uh is a private detective now but it was sort of like him being dirty harry mm-hmm. and it had some funny shit in it but it was very violent and it had some rape in it nudity and stuff is rated r uh, 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 uh. next thing i watched was 1976 directed by uh Felipe Mora and it was 1976's Mad Dog Morgan starring Dennis Hopper. I've seen um, that. Yeah, this one was uh in the uh not quite Hollywood. They talked a lot about the stunts and shit yeah, like yeah. that and uh, how Dennis Hopper was such a fucking drunk fool and uh he basically got deported from uh Australia <laughs> while they were making it cuz he was such an ass. Um, it's good. It's very low budget, super low budget. I saw this, uh, there was a time period where I was really into Dennis Hopper and I was going back when VHS first started up and watching everything he was in. This is one of them. True story. Um, and he at one time sports a big, uh, kind of Amish beard. Yes, he Um, does. Yeah. He, he had this beard and mustache, big long beard and mustache, but then he just shaved the mustache off and he was, uh. A wild mad dog Amish man. Well, he wasn't Amish. Next thing I watched was uh, 2012's uh, uh, Che Sao, which is also known as Motorway, directed by uh, Pu Sui Chang. And uh, it starred Anthony Wong and Chow's. Oh, oh, Anthony Wong Chow Sang is one name. So it's just Anthony Wong, but I guess that's his whole name. Yeah, Sean yeah. Yu. 
in Zaidong Gao. Gao? Gao? I thought this was a Johnny Toe movie because I got on iTunes and I typed in Johnny Toe and this came up. But it, apparently, Jake pointed it out to me first, which is that uh, Johnny Toe's production company just produced it. But it's Poi Cao Jang is the director. It's a um, kind of a car porn uh, movie. It's all right. I, I When I watched it and I thought it was Johnny Toe, I was going to say this is the lesser Toe. Yeah. Uh, but it's not Toe. So it's worth is, a watch. Uh, is it a... Uh... Was it like Drive, sort of? Was it supposed to be like kind of a take on Drive? Well, you had two cops, uh, the old cop and the, the old vet and the young cop. And the young cop uh, loves fast cars. Like mm-hmm. even in his off hours, he's building like a hot rod. And I think he's like into drifting and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, the bad guy is a driver, a la Ryan Gosling or whatever, uh, or R- Ryan O'Neill in, you know, the driver yeah um and he's a bad guy and he's bad uh and he knows like when he's doing this uh, robberies or breaking somebody out of jail he has these intricate uh routes planned so that unless you're like a really fucking great driver there's no way that you because he he does some stuff like where he'll get into these turns where he comes to a complete stop and the only way to get a car through a turn that's that tight is by doing the certain maneuver. Right, right. And um, so then Anthony Wong has to kind of teach the young guy. It's all right. I mean, it's worth a watch. It's just not like, you know, when you have toe movies and you have all that male bonding camaraderie and yeah. some of the little things he throws in. It doesn't have any of that stuff. Uh, so I was kind of like, eh, what's up with this toe? But it's only an hour and a half and it's got a lot of car stuff. So I thought, well, maybe he's doing an homage to car porn and he just doesn't have time because he's showing all the driving. Uh, next thing I watched was... Um, 2013, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. and uh, Olga Kolienko, who I just think is fucking uh, Fox, and uh, Andrea Risenborough, who was also, I mean, she was on a different spectrum of, uh, of good-looking chicks, not in the Fox mode, but more in the, like, maybe Kate Blanchett sort of, you know, the, act, the kind that you'd actually take home to your mom. And then this guy, um, uh, Nicolaj Costa-Waldo, Waldo, and I kept thinking, where have I seen this motherfucker before? And he played the young Butch Cassidy in uh, the Sam Shepard movie, oh. Blackthorn. Blackthorn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he was a young, you know, and Zoe Bell's in it too. Zoe Bell is in this movie. She plays Kara. <laughs> uh, next thing I watched was now this is a classic, and this was said to be okay. They always say that uh, Citizen Kane is maybe the greatest movie ever made, and this uh, I read that this poss- this movie was possibly as good as Citizen Kane. And it was 1942. It was also directed by Orson Welles, and it was the Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, and it stars Tim Holt, Joseph Cotton, Dolores Costello. And um, I have to say I have mixed feelings about this. It was sort of uh, – I don't know if I would say it's sort of along the lines of The Leopard, but I did get to the point where I was kind of like, okay, you know, I don't know. Like uh, it, it was a study of a, a family that was these uber-rich uh, family mm-hmm. and um, – uh, just them kind of going through life and 
the one guy starts out, he was a, you know, when he was young, he was a spoiled little asshole and he grew up and he's kind of a spoiled older asshole. <laughs> and his mother was in love with Joseph Cotton, but she ends up marrying this other guy instead. And Joseph Cotton comes back several times and, you know, they still have feelings for each other, blah, 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 blah. But I, I, I don't know. I've seen some other, um, uh, Orson Welles movies, uh, that he directed that I like more. Um, uh, mm. this one just, yeah, I, I'm sure it was based on a novel and I think it was, you know, I don't know. I, I don't. I was going to say with that, this and the leopard. Maybe I need to watch it. Watch them again. But I don't think I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> 2013's The Frozen Ground, uh, directed by Scott Walker and starring Vanessa Hud Hudgens, Hudgens, and Nicholas Cage, and um, John Cusack, who plays a. F- okay, now this is his second movie where he plays a creepy weirdo because nice. he was in. What the the postman was the postman? No, uh, the what the hell was the name? Paperboy, paperboy, yeah. Uh, and someone asked me at work if he is more of a creep in this than he was in the postman. Um, not the postman, the paperboy, paperboy. <laughs> but um, I will say he was equal to that. I think he was probably creepier in Paperboy, but. This is a true story, and this guy was a rapist and a serial rapist and murderer, and you can't get much creepier than that. And some of the shit that he did <laughs> to these women. Uh, so, and Nicholas Cage is really good. This it sort of reminded me, and I don't want to put it on the level of uh, Zodiac because it's not mm-hmm. uh, to that level, but it has that feel f- to me, and it's kind of a police procedural thing. Okay. Cage is a very understated in it, which is good in a way. He doesn't like go berserk like he usually does. And that chick, if you're a fan of hers, because I know like she's like a teen heartthrob kind of a chick. Right. Uh, she plays a prostitute and a stripper. You will not see her naked. Oh. Uh, she gets up. It's like a lot of you know where these famous chicks play strippers and they get up and have their bra and panties on and she gets up on her all fours with her ass in the air, but she doesn't take any clothes off. 1981's, uh, directed by Warren Beatty and starring Warren Beatty, Reds. Uh, this is a fucking awesome movie. It's also very long, but it's uh, very good. Has a really nice cast, uh, also starring Diane Keaton and um, a guy, young guy, uh, that is like an up-and-comer, Jack Nicholson. And Gene Hackman. So you get a repairing of Clyde and Buck Barrow from Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and uh, uh, Nicholson and Beatty were good buds, and he was fucking Diane Keaton when this was made. Uh, this is a story about uh, this uh, <laughs> Wait, journalist. What year? Uh, 1981. She was young. Yeah, so I mean, you know, uh, I think this movie just about killed their relationship uh, from what I read. And uh, speaking of from what I read, um, it's the, based on this uh, guy, Jack or John Reed, Jack Reed, who was a journalist, uh, and he it covers a lot of like the labor movements and stuff like that in the oh, United sorry. States. I was thinking of Diane Lane. <laughs> yeah, Diane Lane. She's in, she's not in this. <laughs> Keaton Keaton was not as young. Sorry. Yeah, Keaton was not that young. She's uh, she was young, but I mean, yeah, she mid-30s. never did that much for me. She kind of went around with a lot of different dudes. Uh, of that time, and I would take Julie Christie if I was Warren Beatty over her, which he did. I don't know if he took her over Diane Keaton, but he ha- was with Diane or Julie Christie for a long time, and with 
Thank you. Anyway, but it's good. And uh, you don't have to be a communist to watch it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, next thing I watched was directed by Alan J. Pakula. And uh, he was known for some uh, of his paranoid stuff. Uh, and this uh, is very a paranoid, a very a paranoid movie. Uh, only if you don't believe in some of the stuff that has happened. Uh, it's 1974's *The Parallax View*, starring Warren Beatty, Paula Prentice. Uh, it has a you know, uh, it's a good movie. If you haven't seen this one, you need to watch it. It's on Netflix Instant, and it's very good. And uh, I even said. Um, online when we were talking uh, about uh, that and Reds. Uh, Warren Beatty's one of these guys. I wish he would have worked more behind uh, the camera and in front of the camera because he kind of was very selective and he made good stuff. I was surprised how many times he was nominated for you know Oscar for either Best Actor or um, Best Director or Best Movie or whatever. Uh, next thing I watched, and you want to hear about this one, you can go to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class trash since 1977. <laughs> and that is Election 2 or Triad Election or Hack C. We. Ye. Whoa. Why. Why. And this is a Johnny Tone movie. And we talked about it, uh, I think, sort of extensively. I, I remember more just farting and looking at Oh, my at God. I, yeah, I, I, I loaded up the, the Facebook chat thread on the way down to the beach this past week and I, I, showed, I was like Jane just flip through this until you get to a picture of a pig with ball with shit on his balls nice. and tell me what you think and she was just like what is that like that over and over again to, uh, when, how they say in uh, in Canada I believe the term is that takes the cake or pancake uh, but it was uh, with that there were some funny pictures on there, and one of them was of a mutilated toe. And then your wife went to the beach and hurt her toe. Mutilated so, her toe. Yeah, she's mutilated wear, her toe. She has to wear a boot. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Canadians, she has to wear a boot. You guys went on vacation and came back feeling like shit. Great, oh yeah. Yeah, well, I worked. For, I worked a day first before oh. I made myself feel like shit. Uh, next thing I watched, uh, which I didn't do them in order, but it is the uh, other of uh, the double douche we did on uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, which is Haxi Wee, <laughs> uh, which is 2005's Johnny Toe movie Election, uh, starring Luis Ku Sweatlam, uh, Tony Lung Kao Fai. And uh, again, <laughs> listen to that show. That was like their anniversary. And yeah, we, that's like kind of like it. five years and stuff. Didn't know if I was going to be able to come through with that, but I well, I worked it out. It, it uh, fucked up our show a little bit, but I, I worked it out too. Fucked up my weekend, but anyway, no, just, <laughs> it didn't. I, I I was planning on a motorcycle trip, and uh, instead of staying, I just made a big long round trip, which was fun. Uh, and I got to eat at uh, Hardee's. <laughs> Next thing I watched was a uh, documentary on Netflix Instant called Virtual JFK, Vietnam If Kennedy Had Lived. From 2008, uh, directed by Koji Masutani, and uh, he wrote it too. Um, this was, um, it uses the news footage and um, uh, of Kennedy giving speeches and stuff like that, and talked about, uh, you know, like I said, what if, uh, what would have happened in Vietnam if Kennedy had lived because he was getting ready to pull our advisors out of Vietnam and he was president when before it really escalated into the 
giant quagmire that it was. But it was cool to see some of the press conferences uh, in black and white of Kennedy and being asked questions and how, you know, you see Obama now and how when someone asks him something and he his personality really comes through mm-hmm. when he either jokes about some makes a joke or something like that. And you see Kennedy like that, which is, is really awesome. I'm a big fan. Uh, next thing I watched was now this is a classic directed by Costa Gavras, uh, 1969 Z. Uh, this movie stars, uh, Yves Montand, Irene Pappas, Jean-Louis Trintignac, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, it's about the fascist takeover of, uh, I guess, Greece. Uh, it's uh, it's this movie. In this movie, at the very beginning, at the titles, you know how a lot of movies say any uh, any um, similarities between these people and um, real people are strict or purely coincidental. Right, right. This movie says any. Uh, Similarities between the people and the events in this movie are completely intentional. Uh, so it's pretty much a, a true story, and it's really good. And uh, it's about uh, you know fascism and how you see some of the stuff that goes on in this movie, and you think, hmm, where do I live? Anyway, uh, next thing I watched uh, was uh, Norman Jewison directed uh, 1968's The Thomas Crown Affair, starring Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. And um, I'm telling you what, people, listen up. Faye Dunaway is so good looking in this movie and so alluring. Uh, she probably, I mean, holy shit. And, and the, the stuff that she wears, like the fashion uh, and everything, she just is awesome. Steve McQueen, I remember reading in his, the two biographies I read about him. Uh, you know, he was kind of a poor kid from the other side of the tracks and everything. And this was a real challenge for him to play Thomas Crown, who is this uh, millionaire businessman, uh, you know, wearing, playing polo and wearing these expensive suits and they said mcqueen was so competitive and wanted to to look so real he would go out and play polo uh with these professional polo players till his fucking hands were almost bleeding and he was and and i'm sure that's where stallone you know he instead of doing his own thing he became a big polo player whatever i'm I'm not down on sly whatever and it also has a yafet koto in it uh it's a good movie though um I, I wouldn't mind getting that one on Blu-ray. And it's one of those ones that has, at that time, they did a lot of split-screen stuff and where they would show like him playing polo and some other things, and they'd split the screen into like four or five different little boxes, yeah. kind of a different, given a different look. My friend Jim hated that. I remember in college we watched movies like this, and he was like, I hate when they do that fucking shit. But he was drunk and stupid, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um and he, well, I was going to say what his political persuasion was, but I'm not going to because I'm not going to defame people on the right. Um, let's see. <laughs> next thing I watched <laughs> was a movie directed by Mark Steven Johnson from 2013 called Killing Season, starring Jean Travolta and Robert De Niro. Um, it's an all right movie. Uh, I think that uh, I, I don't know how much it cost to make, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, uh it went straight to DVD, I, I, I think, uh, because it has an opening weekend, $27,000 or something like that. So I think that it, it had to have um, 
maybe opened it in very limited release, yeah. uh, 12 screens, and it made $27,000. But it was all right. I, I said on Gentleman's Guide, I think that this movie could have been released in the theater and just by the, the names of the people in it, De Niro and Travolta, and then pairing up, I think it could have made some money. you know. But they decided to go straight to DVD, and it wasn't bad. Uh, next thing I watched, uh, and it's a most dangerous game thing, guy hunting another person. Right, right. Uh, Travolta with a Abraham Lincoln beard. <laughs> oh, like this two movie because he's a Serbian. Uh, the Serbian, John Travolta. <laughs> Mini Barbarino, chase you down, shoot you with bow and arrow. Um, I watched Battle of the Damned from 2013. <laughs> uh, this is an 88-minute turd fest. Uh, story. It's directed by Christopher Hatton and uh, stars Dolph Lundgren. And some other people you never heard of. Uh, the the main girl in it was very fucking annoying, very annoying. Mm. She it's sort of a uh, Snake Plissken deal where uh, this rich guy's daughter gets uh, stranded in a zombie apocalypse town right. or area, and so they send Dolphin to rescue her. She's very annoying. Uh, it's not good. It's just not good at all. There's not anything in it other than him running. Uh, it's very super low budget. Looks like it was shot with, uh, you know, handheld uh, camera that you'd get at Walmart or something. Ugh. It's it, it, the low budgetness of it is. Uh, I mean, it's just not good. I think they somebody probably gave Dolph said, "Hey, we'll give you, you know, a thousand bucks. You know, if you show up for eight hours and we'll shoot this." Um, Next thing I watched is another classic directed by Carol Reed and written by Graham Greene. It's The Third Man from 1949 starring Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton. Uh, Now, Welles did not uh, direct us, Mm -hmm. uh, but from the looks of it, uh, I think that he might have pulled one of those... uh, he took over or something. I don't know. Cause I've seen other Orson Welles movies and the way it's shot and stuff seems uh, like what he would do. He's very good in it as Harry Lime. Uh, this guy, uh, Joseph Cotton goes uh, to Germany um, after world war two to his buddy tells him, Hey, come over here. I'll get you a job. And when he shows up, he finds out his friend had just gotten killed in a uh, hit and not a hit and run accident, but he got hit by a car. And uh, it's very good though. I recommend it. I don't know what that was. Uh, Ip Man <laughs> 2, The Legend of the Grand Master Yay. from 2010. Uh, this is uh, directed by Wilson Yip. I'm sure that's not – is that a real name? Wilson Yip? Uh, sounds like uh, they put a Wilson on there, and it's probably something else, like Donnie, <laughs> Johnny, Donnie Yen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is Ip Man and Zhao Ming Huang and Samo Hung Cambo. Cambo. Uh, that's him, Samo Hung. Also, Samo Hung Cambo, one name. Uh, he's in this, and um, he's fat and old. Uh, I liked it. I uh, I like these Ip Man movies. I did not even know that I had Ip Man. Well, no, I, I already had Ip Man, but I, I liked this one. I liked Samo's fight with uh, Ip Man on the tables, and oh, I yeah. also loved the guy that played uh, Twista, the British boxer. Oh, Darren. God, he was awful. Shalavi, he was great because <laughs> no. he was such a bastard, man. He's he was a, what a jerk. You didn't like him as, as his role, or you? I, I didn't like it. I don't. He was overacting big time. Oh, I loved it. I loved the fact that he overacted that much. 
<laughs> it was so bad. Made you hate him even more because uh, he was just like a uh, stereotype of uh, English fucking uh, arrogant prick. Yeah, fuck the English. Yeah, uh, no stereotype of one. Oh, fuck the English stereotypes. Wait. Whatever. Uh, 1949, directed by William Wellman, uh, Battleground. Uh, I watched that too. I'm good. Yeah, starring Van Johnson and Ricardo Montalban and James Whitmore. This is my second James Whitmore movie of the week. Uh, this is a, definitely a classic. Um, I have this on VHS, and I just remember whitmore marching the guys out uh with his feet all wrapped up from like frostbite and everything mm-hmm. at the end but uh and i sat down and watched it the other day uh i got it i think on itunes and uh, for rent and it was very good uh, this if uh, if you've seen band of brothers if you've seen battle of the bulge yep. and movies like that i mean this one was probably the first one uh, made 1949, so it wasn't that long after World War II. And you'll see some similar things in it that you might have seen in those movies because it's a true story. But uh, yeah. anyway, that's, that's my long list. Sorry for taking so long. <laughs> um, some of these I, I mentioned on the Gentleman's Guide show last week, but uh, I watched um, the. <laughs> I guess I guess you could consider this a, a, a glaring hole in my in my f- filmography, re- my film resume. That the the best years of our lives. I'd never even heard of this movie, and apparently it was like you know eight Academy Awards and all this stuff. But the uh, William Wyler directed movie with, um, the, and, and I didn't realize until after I watched it that the there's a there's one. It's it's a story of three characters that are returning from World War II. Um, trying to fit back in life and there are three different places in life in general. Like there's a young guy, there's a guy who he came from poverty and has a very, you know, a wife that he hardly knows. And then you have the guy who had some money and his kids are kind of grown when he comes back. They all live in the same city and they all kind of run into each other time to time. But this is a pretty, um, I mean, there's some, you know, there's some, there's some cheese in it just because of the time period. I mean, it was made in 46. I do like cheese. Um, I bought some hoop cheese on the way to the beach. You ever had hoop cheese? Hoop? Hoop cheese, yeah. Did you get it like in a big ring? No, but it was already cut up and it was at a little roadside stand. We stopped and got some peaches and hoop cheese. Mm. Um, but the uh, Yeah, I don't like peaches. I don't understand why you don't like peaches. Uh, I like Desiree Cousteau and pretty peaches. Mm. Um, Especially anyway. the oil orgy. At the, oh, look at that chimp's balls. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh-uh. Uh, Sunday. Okay. Uh, this is um, the the guy that plays the young guy who was actually uh, he was not an actor. I mean, I guess I guess in a way he was. He won an Academy Award for it. I don't recall his name, but he um, he didn't have any hands and he had lost them. So that's why I say he was kind of an actor. He lost them doing training videos for the army. Ugh. Um, in the movie, he you know there's a story of why he lost them on the, in the, in the navy, but. So in a way, I guess he was an actor, but he was a, this is the only he was only in two things ever, and he won an Academy Award for this. So um, this is good. It's uh, it's it's pretty, I guess, complex and kind of it's kind of it gets dark for a '40s movie. So I liked it a lot. Um, and I talked about this one too. I watched Night of the Generals, and I think you talked about this one last week. Uh, Peter O'Toole is a creep. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, he's gross. Ugh. Um. This is the one that that Zom mentioned uh, three three weeks ago. Fuck, two weeks ago. The um, the 
detective, I guess, or the, I don't know if he's an attorney or what, but in the Nazi regime trying to hunt down who has been. We shall have to hang him. Yeah, sexually abusing and and murdering prostitutes. Uh, It was good, too. I liked it. Yeah, 100 knife thrust to the vagina. Yeah. Sexual, you know, that's kind of the. Yeah. Yeah, Peter O'Toole, you know, if if you. uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, he was he was a little bit off. A little. I, th- <laughs> I, I just there was something d- weird about him. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> the the old gun. Uh, I mentioned this one too. This is a, a French film. Um, I feel like somebody mentioned this on our group. Um, kind of a revenge movie uh, with more Nazis. It takes place in like a, it, I mean, it might as well be a castle. It's got like freaking catacombs and all kinds of shit underneath What's it. This but called? the old gun. Hmm. Um, the uh, it's a doctor who's basically he's in a house and he there's Nazis that have taken up uh, residence there. It's Le Vieux Fusil is the is the French name, um, and he basically has a shotgun and he's taking them out one by one. Yeah, cool, cool movie. I liked Lots it. Stalkers. Yeah. Um, let's see. So when we went to the beach, uh, they have a uh, one. I had cable, so I was uh, I ended up watching well by secondhand intake of reality TV because that's what my wife loves whenever we have cable. But did get a few movies in. Um, we watched um, this must be the place, uh, the Sean Penn movie, and I think I've talked about this one before. This was you love that movie. Yeah, this was on my top 30 list that's just like really high last year um yeah it's really good um still really good i liked it better the second time i'd say um did you ever dress like that i did not ever dress like that good <laughs> i did wear fingernail polish in college though black fingernail polish yeah, yeah like ox baker he used to paint his toes yeah i know and each one of them a different color <laughs> that's funny yeah. Um, this I even must, ask. I ask him about this. Must be the place. Is it's uh it's it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about it, a lot about that one already. So, um, I uh, went to a different zone and watched Nightmare City. The the Italian the Umberto Lindsay, um, fast I guess zombie movie. Although they drink blood, they don't eat brains. Uh. <laughs> this movie's pretty pretty shitty, but I like it. It's got Hugo yeah. Stiglitz. Uh, it's got some funny stuff in it. I gotta say, the Hugo Stiglitz or the guy that played Hugo Stiglitz. The Hugo Stiglitz. Okay. I gotta say, I probably enjoyed this one more when I wasn't zoning. So I don't know what that was, but by the end of this one, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, let's see. On the waterfront, a good pal of mine sent me the DVD of this one. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando and Carl Malden, and there's some fucking awesome stuff in this. I like this a lot. I've never God seen damn. this. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm telling you what, uh, the Lee Jacob, Carl Malden, Brando, and then how about like I said, all the the mafia guys, like the like uh, a canary. Yeah, I mean all mm-hmm. those guys. I don't know where the fuck they got those guys. I think some of them were Xboxers and stuff like that. But yeah. there was just Oh, what a great fucking cast. Good movie. It was really good. This is um a, some of the the I think the highlight for me was Carl Mald like the, when the dude gets the whiskey bottles dumped on him and uh Carl Mald Carl Malden is a, he plays a priest and he's 
He's there to read the last rites, but he's doing this big speech, and there's like a big shadow that's supposed to be like a cross, I guess, in the background behind him. And it's, it's, that part was really good. I, I thought that was, was so good. fucking good. Yeah, this was this was awesome. So, um, another classic, uh, uh, Refifi. Oh, um, oh yeah, you know, I just found that uh, I in a big pile of fucking movies. Um, this is a, this is a, the Jules Dassin Dassin. I don't know how to say his name. He's American, I think. So Dassin? Um But uh, this is a French film from '55. It's a heist movie, jewel heist, and of course, as per the territory of these kinds of movies, things will go wrong because people are people. People are people. So, and uh, how about the little kid at the end with yeah, the uh, yeah cap that, pistols and stuff? <laughs> that was a. I almost. I wanted to pause it. I was. On, I was watching on a, on a tube TV on a portable DVD player. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't pause it and like get a screenshot of it. But the uh, the, the scene that when the dude is driving the car, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. This it's fucking great. The guy's driving the car, and the, the, there's a scene like split second. The kid like holds his gun right up to the back of the dude's head while he's. <laughs> and I wanted to pause it and take a picture of it. I didn't really have a good way to do it. So that's a great. It was a great shot though. Um, check that one out if you haven't. Jewel heists and stuff. Um. Let's see. When we came home, Stranger Than Fiction. We watched that again. I haven't seen this since the theater. Um, I bought it on DVD when it came out, and I can't believe this movie is almost fucking seven years old already. Um, Was that the one with Will Ferrell? Yeah, Will Ferrell, and, and he's like uh, in a book or something. Yeah, or? His, his he hears narr- he hears the narration of his life, and well, who's the main woman? Um, Emma Thompson plays oh, okay. the, plays the the writer, and Maggie. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is the, like the, the, I guess the romantic interest, and Dustin Hoffman plays <laughs> a, um, plays a like a, a professor of literature that he's going to for help. So um, I'm glad that she's not my romantic interest. <laughs> she was cute in this. I mean, she's got she's got on and off moments. I think, but she was cute. In I this. think it's I think a, a lot of her thing has to do with like she has very bad posture. Yeah, she does in this too. She's to hunches her shoulders a lot. Yeah. Um but in her this face. Is, this this is a really well done movie. <laughs> <laughs> in her face. Um let's see. I watched The Reenactors. Uh this is a documentary that's on Netflix Instant. Um it's about the these uh creeps that dress up as like movie characters and just hang out outside the uh, man's Chinese theater in Hollywood and like get autograph like people give them money and stuff to just stand there, I guess. And there's some fucking train wrecks, man, that stand out there. Uh, like it follows them when they're at home and stuff. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Oh. There's a, um, there's a guy named Christopher Dennis who has gotten a kind of famous for it because he looks like kind of a, well, he, it's funny like the delusion these people have like, Oh, I look so much like so-and-so like the guy that says he looks like Clooney and he's kind of fat and has a gap in his teeth. And then like <laughs> Christopher Dennis looks like Christopher, uh, Christopher Reeve. So he does his Superman thing. Well, I remember there was that one, uh, about the, the Superman guy and the Hulk and wonder woman. And they are in Las Vegas and you know, there was a whole documentary about that mm. They dress up like that and get pictures taken. With yeah, that's what this. That's what, and, the, and like, there's this whole like hierarchy there. Like the guy that plays Superman has been there the longest, so he kind of like tells people how to do things and stuff. And then there's there's, there's like the drug addicts that just come in and start hanging out. And like, I mean, there's like sabotage of each other's costumes and stuff. It's pretty crazy. It, it was interesting. 
Um, it's on instant. The reenactors. Um, and the last thing I watched. Uh, no, two more things. Um, the uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm. Oh, I did not like that movie. No, I didn't either. And we're. I mean, it was like I don't know. God, it was bad. The first like forty minutes, I was like, "Yes, this is awesome." Why does everybody like talk down on this? And then he fucking gets put out in the desert and wakes up with the kids, and I'm like, I "Yeah, was the just... first visit when he's in the Thunderdome and fighting the yeah, big yeah, that was cool. Master, whatever, right? Was getting but Jesus Christ! But then it just all of a sudden just fell off the fucking rails. Turd. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I watched, which I didn't check into on Miso like I usually do, but I almost forgot it. Um, it's a new uh, documentary by High Spots. It's called Jimmy uh, Jim Jim Crockett Promotions: The Glory Years or The Glory. I forgot the exact name of it. Um, it's a it's a three Jimmy. disc set, um, but in, in the the second two kind of have interview extended interviews and uh, some old old match footage and stuff. But this is the um, the story of Jim Crockett Promotions and uh, how it came became Mid Atlantic Pro Wrestling and then then uh, WCW and all that stuff. Um, and they get some, uh, they get some pretty in-depth stuff. I know that people were, I've read comments on the internet. They were worried that they weren't going to be get, uh, Jimmy Crockett Jr. to yeah. talk on it, but he talked quite a bit. Um, really? he, uh, and David Crockett and the, their other brother, Sonny, uh, Sonny, he ran the cameras. I don't remember yeah. his first name. And then there's the, not the, Sonny Crockett. That was fucking, uh, what the hell was his name? I don't remember. David, Jimmy and yeah, he ran the cat. He was like the guy he drove the ring truck and ran the mm-hmm, cat. Mm-hmm. And what his name was? Did they talk to Paul Jones? They talked to Paul Jones a lot. He's wearing a Navy <laughs> SEALs hat. Um, they um, they didn't talk to Sister Crockett. I don't know if she's still alive or not. Um, Francis. But she uh, yeah this was and they talked to Oli quite a bit. Um, this was it was pretty interesting. I mean. If you're familiar with Jim Crockett Promotions, it's not there's not a lot of new stuff there, but it's kind of cool seeing they cause they they what they've done is kind of Jackie Crockett, Jackie. There you go. Yeah. There, there's a, there's some new stuff in it, but then there's some other stuff like with Dusty Rhodes and with Ric Flair where it's taken out of the old like old RF video shoot interviews or something to kind mm. of piece it together. Um, and uh, Cornette's on there and stuff, but it's it's pretty neat. It's uh. It was uh, it's it's decently done. It's low budget, but it's 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 informative if you're not if you don't know about it already. So. And that was it. <sighs> okay, week considering. Um, why don't we take a break? And do you have a preference which movie we do first? Oh, I don't care. Okay, let's come back and do the hunting party. We'll be right okay. back. All right, man, we really got to record a promo for this thing. Shouldn't we write a script for this? Ah, fuck it, man, we'll do it live. Hey, folks, this is El Goro. And this is the Cancer Man. And we are the hosts of Talk Without Rhythm. The only podcast that will not attract the worm. That really doesn't explain what we do. Well, we watch two movies a week, we review them, we bullshit, and sometimes we say something funny. Yeah, but most of the time we just piss people off. Well, the American film viewing public can't handle most of what we have to say. But if you think you can, you can find us on iTunes if you do a search for Talk Without Rhythm. You can also find us on our website, tworpodcast.blogspot.com, baby. Deuces.
first movie of the day, The Hunting Party. I did say Hunting Party, right? Ja. All right. Directed by Don Medford. A ruthless rancher and his gang use extremely long-range rifles to kill the men who kidnapped his infidel wife. Infidel! It's all right. Um, Zom, how did you like The Hunting Party? I've seen this. I own it. Uh, haven't seen it in a, in a while. And I would say that my first impression of it is exactly the same as, I'm a piece of steak in my teeth, as my <laughs> second impression. Um, now, listen. Listen up. <laughs> listen up, people. Let me tell you something. This is a different kind of Western. Mm-hmm. It's a mean Western. It's a grungy, dirty, ultra-violent Western. Um, this movie was a lot bloodier than I thought it would be. Well, I read, I think I was reading that, you know, this came on the tales of uh, the big success of The Wild Bunch. Oh. And like Bonnie and Clyde when they started doing the big time squibs and blood packs and, you know, uh, lots of violence like that. So I think it was kind of, uh, you know, going that route. Gotcha. Route. Um, you start off with, uh, okay. I think one I'm trying to think one of the reasons that I watched it because I'd never heard of it. I think it was it's not a movie that uh, I think a lot of just main a lot of just regular folks know about. Right. Um it because I, I you know when they used to show uh before HBO and before all the stuff uh, you know this is a movie I don't know if it would have worked really well on TV because it was really it was really violent. Uh, and it had some sexual deviance in it, um, which was um, when you first start watching it, and right off the bat, Gene Hackman, um, who plays this really rich, wealthy rancher, Brant Ruger. Brant Ruger. Brant Ruger. Um, he seems to have a problem with women. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, my God. He is a sexual sadist. He enjoys, uh, and I'm not talking about uh, like uh, tying them up with ropes and giving them a safe word and spanking them. He enjoys like really hurting people, uh, or not just people, but I mean women in sexual situations. He is married to a young, uh, I I will say this, Candace Bergen, when she was young, was a good-looking chick. She was Mm -hmm. a good-looking woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but though, even though she was a good looking woman, I think that, uh, Edgar Bergen's ventriloquist dummy, Charlie McCarthy was more animated than she is (laughs) and a better actor. Um, I just, like I said, I, she's very good looking in a classic sense, but she never really does it for me or ever did it for me because, she just is about as wooden as the ugly paneling from 1970 that is up on my wall right now. It has more <laughs> pizzazz, I believe. Pizzazz. But anyway, so Gene Hackman is this rancher. And, of course, you know, they show the old school uh, rich rancher's house, which is just for that time, just, you know, you could tell that it, it cost a lot of money. And he, it's in, there, he's in his bedroom making love, uh, yeah. I'm doing fingers, to his wife, Melissa Ruger, played by Candace Bergen. And he's got her in this finger lock thing where he's bending her fingers back. And she's like, you know, in immense pain. 
And she's like, you know, telling him to stop, but he's like getting off on it. But it's weird. It's like, I don't, he never like completes the act. Uh, he, he just like is getting off on hurting her. And then he finally stops and sits on the edge of the bed with his weird curly comb over kind of hanging down. His hair is, I, I mean, <laughs> trying to do the comb over for many years. Uh, it was probably a blessing for him to go, you know, completely bald. Um, but anyway, so that's the setup there. So you know that there's some weird shit going on there, and this is not going to be your usual uh, Randolph Scott, John Wayne fucking. No. Uh, well, they cut they cut movie. that they cut that angry sexing scene in with uh, somebody slaughtering a cow and eating yeah. the raw meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, and they actually, I mean, you know, it's obvious that they actually killed the cow and and are and, and my God, let me tell you something, people. Okay, I know back in the – okay, I just came back from – I rode like my motorcycle for like four hours straight, come back, I'm starving, and I had just bought like a T-bone steak and some mashed potatoes, country crock mashed potatoes. So I come in, I fucking fire them up and uh, cook the steak and eat it and everything. But I mean these people are literally – they kill a cow out in the pasture, <laughs> these rustlers led by Oliver Reeve who – Oliver Reeve, Oliver Reed, who plays Frank Calder, and they kill the cow and then cut like open the hide on the hindquarters, and then just cut cut off the fucking meat. Yeah, this thing is probably it's definitely still warm. They just killed it. They slit its throat, whatever, and bleed it out, and then they cut open its back like uh, hindquarters, and then just cut off chunks of meat and sit there and start eating it right off the cow. Now. I don't know, man. I mean, it, I, it's safe. It's I probably it's, disgusting, but it's safe. And I know that people like raw meat, but that's too goddamn raw for me, Daddy O. Uh, I mean, I've ate some pussy in my time. But I mean, you know, some raw I'm meat. still alive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah baby doll. <laughs> oh, she, baby doll was in that Jim Crockett thing. Oh, she's not. She was never attractive. Um, did you think she was attractive at no. one time? I, no, I mean, I was a kid when she, she was. She had big giant thighs. She was. I was a kid. I didn't know any better then anyway. Yeah, she just wasn't good looking. Even when she was, I remember when she first started and she was Gino Hernandez's valet, uh, uh, the giant, lady giant in world class. And she, she had like punk rock hair. Anyway, back to the movie. Um, <laughs> this movie um, has, uh, like I was saying about, uh, I can't remember what movie it was, uh, <laughs> that it had uh, like, uh, oh, uh, the Rage movie with uh, David Soul having a lot of people that you'll recognize but might not know their names, character actors and stuff like that. This one's full of them, especially people that uh, were in maybe some old westerns and stuff. You have uh, Simon Oakland, who was in Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen and, and several other movies. L.Q. Jones. Uh, who was also in The Wild Bunch. Uh, Mitch Ryan, who was in the other... This could be a Mitch Ryan double douche. Yeah, there... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mitch Ryan is in this, and he's also in Monty Walsh, which which uh, we're going to review. Uh, G.D. Spradlin, who played the coach in North Dallas 40. There's just a, a lot of you know pretty cool uh, old uh, actors in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway... Uh, uh, Sheriff rides up and he sees uh, Frank Calder and his gang, you know, uh, killing this uh, cow and, and eating it and everything. And he kind of stays far away enough. Then he yells over to him. He says, you know, don't don't come in our fucking town. You know, we know who you are. We know you're trash and everything and that you're nothing but trouble and we're going to be ready for you. 
So Frank is like, you know, I'm Oliver Reed and I'm British, but God damn it, I'm in the Old West. So I need to go get me some pussy and learn how to read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Reed. Okay. So anyway, you think you don't know sort of what's going on because they do go into town and the townspeople are just loaded for bear. They've all standing there with their guns and everything. And they're like, okay, if you try anything, we're just going to fucking slaughter you. So they just, they just leave the town. But uh, they set up this thing where uh, there's a little schoolhouse, uh, old west schoolhouse with these little kids, and the women are, you know, getting them to go in the in the schoolhouse to start their lessons. And Oliver Reed r- rides up, and Candace Bergen's there. Well, he just kind of swoops her up, grabs her, and takes off. And you kind of thinking, well, what the hell is he just wanting some puss or what? Um, and but it, he has see Frank Calder. Is not your everyday uh, brute. He is a brute, but uh, he's the leader of the gang, so you know he's smart uh, and and got some char- charisma, as yes. Terry Funk would say. And uh, but he, uh, I guess, has kind of a uh, inferiority complex because he does not know how to read. So he decides that he wants some somebody to teach him how to read and here's this hot blonde chick and i will say this candace bergen you know doesn't look like she has on much makeup or anything like that she's she's one of these natural beauties who can't act uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh the world is full of them um so you see oliver reed and and he's he's got uh you know his his he's got kind of a big head and his hat seems small because he does have a big because he's got a lot of hair and he's got a, like a a mustache and and sort of a, a a beard like you know he's been out on the trail, but you can see the it it kind of accentuates the scar he has on the corners of his mouth and chin because in real life I guess he you know he's a drunk and he was in a bar and got in a, a brawl and somebody smashed him in the face with a glass or a beer bottle and actually scarred his face, um, but it I thought that it was kind of weird casting that Oliver Reed was chosen to play the lead in a western yeah. I can see that. He does his best to pull off a kind of a country old west American accent, but it comes through, you know, that he's, you know, I surely would like to read, ma'am, and stuff like that. I'm you know, like, what the fuck? Um, but anyway, so he gets her and he's got like a band of uh pretty scuzzy uh uh guys in his gang and uh Mitch Ryan who plays Doc Harrison is his kind of second in command and his buddy. He's the one that he trusts the most. He's it's it like, like it seems like that he's been through the most with. And some of the other guys, he probably has had them along for a while, but they're a, a lot of them are just very, you know, they're criminals. They're very scummy people. L, L. Q. Jones's uh, uh, character's name is Hog. <laughs> I don't know if they ever say that in the movie, but you know, Hog. Yeah, I don't remember if they do or not. Hog is uh, he is very excitable, and uh, he wants to get some puss. <laughs> I think that was L. Q. Jones, wasn't it? He was like uh, always trying to 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 jump on Candace Bergen and fuck her and everything. I don't, remember, I don't know. I don't know his name. Yeah, that was yeah. him. Okay. He 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 definitely he's. Uh, they throw her in the back of a wagon, and right off the bat, I mean, Oliver Reed just like riding on his horse and. Uh, this guy like basically just starts trying to rape Candace Bergen right off the bat, and for him, it's weird in this movie because like rape to him seems like it's like not a big deal. It's just like fun, 
<laughs> he's like, yeah, you gonna like this, yeah, you gonna like this, girl, yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so then she's like fighting him for all she's worth, and uh, but Oliver Reed finally comes back and puts an end to that. He's like, you know, listen, you know, stupid fucker. Um, and so he sort of just through that action at the beginning becomes like, she's kind of like, okay, she doesn't like any of them. And she's kind of like, you know, these fucking scumbags, I want to escape and all this net, but it just kind of sets up that he's like her protector. He's not, not really uh, like this big fucking scumbag or whatever. Mm -hmm. So anyway, they get the uh, uh, um, Gene Hackman has these buddies It'd be like your golf buddies, like rich guys go golfing and shit. You know, you got your golf buddies or sports buddies that you go to baseball games. So back in in this time, they had like these hunting parties, which, you know, it's the name of the movie, Hunting Party, The Hunting Party. And uh, they have this, they're rich, so they have this big train and it's this luxurious train. Uh, And they load it up full of hookers and they head out uh, to go hunting. And he gives all his buddies, because he's like this rich... uh, fucking republican and uh <laughs> he gives them all these really expensive uh rifles that have uh uh telescopic scopes yeah. on them and back in that time the scope was as long as the whole goddamn gun you know? <laughs> yeah that was crazy and um they said that they could shoot like up to i think 900 yards or something like that or yeah it was mm-hmm. it was pretty fucking far that's like half a mile yeah, because everybody's like, no, there's no way, no gun can shoot that far, but these could, you know. So that that comes into play during the movie because these guys are just like cattlemen. They're businessmen, and they're not like uh, gunfighters or anything. So you get another scene of uh, of uh, Brant, Gene Hackman's character, um, and his sexual sadism. He picks this uh, uh, Asian prostitute and takes her into this uh uh, sleeping car of this um, train, and you know she thinks she's gonna, and she she starts taking her clothes off, and of course she looks you know pretty good, and um, he's just a freak, man. He starts like getting this whole candelabra with these lit candles and holding them up to her tits and everything, and Ugh. not just look at them but to burn them and stuff. It's like what the fuck, and putting a cigar out on her ass cheeks and blah. And then apparently he had a threesome because uh, when somebody comes in to give him the bad news that his wife has been kidnapped, he's laying in there with these two two chicks. I wonder, and, uh, the, I wonder did they stop somewhere? I wonder how they got the news caught up to the train. Maybe it's on the telegraph wire or something. They, maybe they stopped to get water or something. I don't know. And they're just in there fucking. Because when he comes in, like they're all all the other guys are sprawled out and these naked girls are laying around. They had a big orgy. Um, <laughs> so. Brant is one of these dudes that you know he's uh he's kind of he's crazy i mean yeah. he's like vindictive and he wants revenge and you know nobody's going to take he's like the i guess like an alpha male and there's this there's like two alpha males in this which is Oliver Reed and Gene Hackman and he's going to nobody i'm powerful i'm a rich texas oil man or whatever rancher <laughs> and nobody's going to fucking push me around i'm going to fucking go find this fucking bitch that I fucking don't even like. <laughs> I mean, he might like her. I mean, I don't know. You know but he just has a strange way of, of showing it. So he he gets his buddies and he says, you know, listen, we're going to, it's the it's the most dangerous game again, you know. Um, yeah. uh, like we was talking about with De Niro and Travolta, you know, where the most dangerous game is man, so we're going to go fucking hunt these dudes. And they're like, well, we're not gunmen. This, this guy's 
it's almost like a Butch Cassidy thing. They're a no- notorious gang, and uh, you know he's like, they're, "These guys are gunfighters," and he's like, "Listen, we got these guns. We can shoot these fuckers from a mile away, you know, and that's our, we'll have the advantage." So you have several scenes where they will like uh, find a place and sit up on the on a big mountain or hillside real far away and and uh, uh, Frank Calder and his gang have stopped to eat or whatever or to rest their horses and all of a sudden you'll just hear these you know and like their one guy's guts will fucking blow a big hole Jesus those guns are crazy yeah they they they, uh, and at first they're like what the fuck because you know they're so far away they can't even see him they probably don't even the guy probably gets hit by the bullet before they even hear the shot it's that far away and so they're like, what the fuck? You know, and they take off. And this happens a couple times. So it's almost like, you know, goddamn, what the fuck's going on? Who are, you know, like, like I said in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who are these guys, you know? Um, you have some in between these, you know, pretty violent and uh, bloody uh, ambushes. You have scenes where Oliver Reed is trying to convince, uh, or Frank Calder is trying to convince Melissa Ruger. Candace Bergen into teaching him how to read and she won't do it. And so she's going to be stubborn and all this shit. And, you know, she's, she's, they said, well, we're not going to feed, give you any food until you teach me to read or whatever. He has this little book, you know, probably like a little kid book, uh, you know, sea spot run or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And she won't do it. Now there's one scene in this that really just fucking, uh, it was total seventies, goofy, like trying to be fun or funny. And uh, it's the peaches scene. <laughs> okay, number one, I don't like peaches. And number two, they <laughs> Those act peaches so look good st- to me. Oh, they look so stupid though. It's like she's hasn't ate for like a couple of days, so you know she's really hungry. And when they would stop, she would always like take a blanket and sit under the wag this wagon in the shade, and they try and convince her, you know, in between what's his name trying to rape her. Um, they try and convince her into teaching to read. Right? So finally, they have this big, uh, I guess at the time we have like mason jars now, but uh, it was like one of those uh, canning jars that has the, the glass lid that has like a metal clamp thing that you push down and it holds it in, holds it, seals yeah, it. Yeah, rubber yeah. seal. And um, it probably wasn't rubber back then. It's probably like leather. Like they had like a leather seal around there. Could have been. Because um, I don't think they had rubber back then. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when the rubber was invented. I know that I, I've seen those before because my grandma used to can back in the day, mm-hmm. and they, you know, had that kind of shit. Um, but anyway, so I mean, she's looking at these peaches, and she's like, "Fuck," you know, you know, her mouth, her stomach's growling, and her mouth's watering, and everything like a fucking Saint Bernard, a wooden Saint Bernard. And so then Oliver Reed and Mitch Ryan start eating these peaches and like they're let the, I mean the juice is dripping down their fucking face and they're like I mean they're like looking at each other with like these big stupid eyes like these so good man these peaches are so good ah, bitch you wish you could have some of these and I'm like oh my god the first time I watched it I hated that scene too I was like fuck I mean ugh. but I mean I guess back then something like that would be like oh that was like candy like, yeah yeah having like a big old you know thing of candy or something even though they did have some hard candy back then um but anyway so she finally relents after they you know 
slobber all over this stuff and Oliver Reed's just fucking acting goofy as shit. Uh, and she eats the fucking peaches. And then, of course, this is another thing where it kind of breaks the breaks her down a little bit more, the ice. I think she likes Doc, and, and he's he's really nice, you know, and everything. And Frank, you know, like I said, I, even though she likes Doc, I think, you know, Frank's kind of, you know, he, she's, she's looking at him like, ooh, you know. So anyway, you have a scene where that totally gets broken down, and Oliver Reed basically rapes her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was kind of a, I mean, I think it was intentional, but the the, it's a kind of a confusing rape scene. Like, yeah, she she does a decent job acting kind of like scared, but kind of into it at the same time. Yeah, it's it's like the 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 Hollywood rape thing where they did this a lot back in the day, where like she tries to escape and 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 she gets out in the middle of this river, and of course realizes there's nowhere to go and it's cold and everything. So she, he's just sitting there. And uh, she comes back. Well, then, you know, the next thing you know, it just starts to happen, and she's fighting and fighting or whatever. But then, and this, like you said, this was kind of the something that Hollywood did a lot that is, in some ways, kind of distasteful. Is that you know, here's this dude that kidnaps her and everything, and he's and he's you know, it starts out he's raping her, and then she just gives in, and everything's great. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, you know, it seems like from that time there was a little bit of confusion, but then not too much longer after that, she's there's no confusion anymore. Pretty much his woman, and he's protecting her from the other scumbags and everything. There's some dissension in his uh, gang because, you know, like I said, they want to fuck her, and and then there comes a point in time when they're like, hey, you know, the only reason these guys are fucking blowing us away every time we stop you know they'll kill about three or four of them because they're a pretty big gang is because of her let her fucking go and he's like i'm not letting my woman go i'm oliver reed and i'm a british uh old west man and she gonna come down here she my woman and it's like his accent just uh, it wasn't horrible but it's just like they they should have just got like a fucking american guy to play the part and i like oliver reed i just just thought it was kind of out of place yeah uh so anyway um you have more and more of the shooting and you and the there's one ambush scene where uh it is a lot like uh most dangerous game where you see these old pictures of guys hunting deer and they'll kill like maybe there'll be a big hunting party and they'll kill like 10 deer and then they line them up side by side and take pictures and shit and the one guy's uh Gene Hackman's bunch of businessmen, uh, there's some of them that are like, yeehaw, yeah, let's get them. But then as it goes along, they start kind of getting like, what the fuck? You know, this is, some of them get tired and, and, and are just sick of it. Some of them are scared because Oliver Reed starts sort of outsmarting them and kills a couple of them. So they're like, what the fuck? And then Gene Hackman starts dragging the guys at this water hole. They ambush oh, yeah. him and kill a bunch of them. And he like lays them all out like side by side. And the one guy even says, you know, these aren't animals, you know, these are people, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so he starts losing some of his gang. Now, Simon Oakland stays with him quite a bit. But Simon Oakland definitely looks like a drugstore cowboy because he has like these pants on that he he doesn't look like a, a real cowboy. Like his outfit looks store bought. Like his hat's too <laughs> new, and his pants look almost like they're white or like a real sky blue color. He just looks stupid, and he even starts getting tired of him. 
and and you know it's like fuck this shit because Gene Hackman you have another rape scene Candace Bergen is is uh might as well have had a sign on her forehead that said rape me in this movie because <laughs> uh, she is sexually abused and raped like not just once but several times yeah and um the the scene where uh I'm trying to think what Frank was doing. He went somewhere, and she's in this like Mex, maybe like a Mexican town. They're or in something. a Mexican town. I don't remember what he was doing either, but he had left her in the room alone. Yeah, and LQ Jones, who must have been the horniest fucking guy on the planet, he comes in, and and it's it's another thing. Like I said, it's like for him, it was just like he was just like having such a good like he's laughing and having a good time to to the point. I mean, he even punches her in the fucking stomach. And, you know, like punches her a couple of times, like really hard, you know, trying to rape her. And he's just laughing and like, hee hee. And even after he does that, I'm like, what the fuck? But um, that scene was pretty fucking gross. <laughs> and and uh, LQ Jones, you know, something happens to him. And then later on, Gene Hackman catches up to him. So, uh, and, but even though he was such a scumbag, and he tried to rape her a couple times. When Gene Hackman catches up to him and he's wounded, I was like, God, Gene Hackman was such a fucking bastard. I mean, it's like even his buddies were like, fuck. Yeah. Um, and then you come to the inevitable um, – th- you know there's going to be an inevitable showdown mm-hmm. because Candace Bergen's like, you know, we can – Frank, uh, you know, she wants to take off with him, just him and her take off so they can live happily ever after she finally found i mean even though their first like scene like quote unquote love slash rape scene uh was you know near rape or rape to start with and then she relents or whatever she, she he's kind of a he's different i mean he's he's kind of more of a sensitive guy and and you know he's got charisma and everything she's attracted to that and so she like has you know, given in and she's ready to go off with him. But you know that Hackman's character is, I mean, he is obsessed and he's so mean and such a vicious, mean, sadistic fucker, you know, he's going to hound him to fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you have a, a, a um, the conclusion, I'm not going to say what happens, but um, you have this inevitable conclusion because I think, I mean, Frank is an outlaw, and when she first says something about going off together, he's like, you know, well, what about this place? And he's got his guys there with him, and she's like, I don't want to be here with these guys. I just want to be with you. Let's just fucking you and me take off. And uh, But Hackman's character is just such a fucking fucking lunatic. I mean, like a uh, just a psychopath or something. But it's weird how, to me... The Candace Bergen character, I mean, I think if you're a feminist and you were watching this movie, you'd probably puke <laughs> at, at her character because she's she's such a – I mean, in, in the one scene where the guy's trying to rape her, you, you wonder why, okay, the way Gene Hackman was and everything, I mean, if she would have eventually done that to him – you know when she finally fights back or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, but but she really is like a. I don't know. Just I mean, like I said, the the. Uh, I've heard people talk several times about, um, you know, this time in Hollywood, 
or even before in like the, maybe the fifties and sixties where a guy will like slap a girl across, like he's trying to kiss her or whatever. And the girl's like fighting back and he slaps her across the face and she just melts in his arms and they make love or something like that. And it's really <laughs> like, it's like, what the fuck, you know? So like I said, I mean, I don't think this is like a really, uh, you know, speaks a lot to women in power or feminism or no. whatever. She's pretty much a, uh, she, a, she does, she does strengthen throughout the movie because yeah. at the beginning she just like, Strengthens to the point of falling in love with her rapist. Well, yeah, rapist kidnapper. I know, I, I know that but might I mean, Stockholm syndrome. She, you know, she, she definitely doesn't stand up to Hackman. She kind of, in a way, stands up to Ollie Reed for a while, but then yeah. you know, by the end, I mean, she's definitely uh, making decisions. And I mean, granted, it's baby steps, but it's it, you know, at least she's moving in a direction that's positive, I guess. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, uh, it, it was weird in this. Uh, even after that initial scene with Hackman, I still felt like Oliver Reed was going to be the creepy guy in the movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Because he's uh, always is in just about every other. Yeah, fucking... yeah, it must have been. But I, but after after the train scene, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with Gene Hackman? <laughs> That's when it really makes the turn there. Yeah, he was an odd bird. There's a there's an unintentionally funny shot. And it, 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 no, most people might not even notice it, but they, uh, they were on the train, and Hackman's getting some news with his friend. They're all, they're out, they're on a, a one of the cars that's outdoors. It's just like a flat cart, and um, it's an ob- one one thing that made me giggle. It was an obvious green screen behind them, but what really made me laugh about it, and I don't know what made me think of it, because it was a green screen, it was obvious that it wasn't a moving train. So all I could think about was there, there was probably a couple dudes like underneath it just have their job was to just shake it while the camera yeah. was rolling. It just like, could you imagine having to act there with like two dudes just underneath you just walking your stage <laughs> around? Um, you caught yourself a mountain lion. Somebody must, oh, somebody said that to her about, about uh, Candace Bergen. Um, the, um, the, were the, were the, was, was the hunting party ever really going to hunt anything? Or were they just there to just like fuck and get new guns and smoke cigars and be done? Fuck whores. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure it was probably one of those Dick Cheney things. Remember when he shot that guy in the face, his best friend? Because they were having a hunting party and they, they, they went like they said they would go out to these hunting places and there basically was like a game farm. Yeah. And they would take the birds out and like, and, and kind of, the people would go out before them and take these birds and like pheasants or whatever and put them down in this brush so that when they come by, they jump up. So they're not really hunting and they're just drinking. And that's probably why Dick Cheney shot his friend in the face. <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, uh, you, you covered most of it, but the, the, the movie, like I said, was a lot more brutal than I thought it was going to be. I mean, there's, it was very brutal, very sadistic. Yeah. There was headshots. There was a fucking, somebody got shot in the face with a shotgun. There's like, Oh, that was bad. Twitching when they die. There's a, somebody gets stabbed in the neck. So it's like, I mean, this is a, this is a lot more violent than I thought it was going to be, which, which I appreciated. I mean, it's different than the, like you were saying, the John Wayne type thing where you got, you get shot and you're like, ah, oh, you hold the gun wound and you fall over and you're dead. Yeah, there's like, no blood. Yeah. What'd you think of Oliver Reed as a, you know, you think he was okay? Or? He was fine. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't a standout for me. Um, Hackman really is kind of the the driving force of the whole thing because oh, he's, he's so gross. But bastard. I mean, Oliver Reed. Like he, nothing about him really bothered me all that much. But it, there was nothing like memorable, super memorable for me about it either. 
outside of him and uh, Mitch Ryan sopping up those peaches. <laughs> <laughs> they must have juicy peaches. You need to have some of these peaches that make you will make teach me to read. And the, and what and what I was thinking about there was not the fact that the peaches probably taste good. It was man, their fingers are so disgusting, and they're just eating like this like sticky peach juice on their fingers. It's I think gonna, it would have been better if they would have like had a threesome with her, <laughs> and their faces would have just had like her cunny juice, you know, slopping down on ear that. to ear, covered in in bergen, bergen so juice. Goofy man. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, we can rate it here. Um, hmm. this movie for me, even like I said, the first time and this time I kind of had the same feeling about it. I saw the cast and like, you know, fucking Gene Hackman, oh, this and that, right? And, um, but it's kind of not, it's very violent. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that it, it is a really gritty, kind of gross, uh, harsh, uh, different take on the old West. I mean, it, it's you know in the old West when they always had the the uh, classic hero in the white hat or whatever, and this, yeah. it's totally goes against that. Uh, and I appreciate that, but in some ways, the the whole just Candace Bergen's character and you know the, yeah. all the shit with her. It felt like it went uh, and, on a long time too, and it, it was sort of like uh, even worse. Uh, that you know, I've heard people talk about Faye Dunaway and Robert Redford in um, Three Days of the Condor, how they kind of got together a little bit too fast, and you know this and that and everything. Now I can see why that that might have because she did hold off and she was stubborn and stuff like that for a while, and Hackman was such a bastard to her and so mean and everything that. You know, I could see how it could happen, but I just, eh. I mean, all the characters in this, uh, with the exception of like Mitch Ryan, I think every character in this was a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't like any of them. Um, I would give this a 6.75. It's just, it's like I said, I, I when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I never heard of this. I got to watch it. Yeah. And I bought it and I watched it. And it's, and that was probably, Jesus Christ. Uh, Maybe five years ago, and I and I haven't watched it since, and never f- was really compelled to go back and watch it again. It's just not a very feel good. I mean, I'm not saying a movie has to be a feel good movie, but it's just kind of bleak. It's so bleak, and like I said, I I think the way they portrayed her character, uh, and the fact that she is kind of a shitty actress. Uh, I saw her in another movie called Soldier Blue with Peter Strauss, and it was the same way. She just is really just not good. I think if, if they would have recast the Oliver Reed and Candace Bergen parts with, say, like, you know, Robert Redford and I don't know who could play that, like, you know, uh, Faye Dunaway or something like that, I mm-hmm. think it would have been better. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, and it, just his accent, and just him, you know. I, I just like, and I like, I like, like I said, I like Oliver Reed in other movies, but this put Oliver Reed in the old west. He was kind of bland. Um, I did like, like you. I appreciated the violent stuff. Uh, the 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 rifles sounding like thunder was cool. There were some squibs on bare skin, which is always impressive. But yeah, but the um, I don't know, something didn't click for me with it. I, it was okay. Still, I give it a six point five. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you too. So. But the like you know liked I liked creepy Hackman, but the I don't know something about the main two people that we're supposed to care about didn't really click for me. So creepy Hackman. Yep. 
Cool. Uh, let's take a break and come back and do... What's the name of this other one? Monty Walsh. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. (laughs) (laughs) But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. It's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. To the town of our real road, a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big, the iron, big iron on his hip. The big iron on his hip. It was early in All the right. morning. Monty Walsh, Zahn, would you care to synopsize? An aging cowboy realizes that the West he knew and loved will soon be no more. And then there will be no room for him either. So Monty Walsh is one uh, just like the previous film. Well, I had never even heard of. I'm very uh, ignorant when it comes. A big to word movies. on his dick. <laughs> the um, the stars um, Lee Marvin and uh, Jack Palance. We'll get some Mitch Ryan in here again, motherfucker, uh, playing Shorty Austin, um, and some other people. Good. Um, so this is uh, hey Bo Hopkins is in there. Yeah, I saw him. The um, so this he wasn't is, in it very much. No, this is this this is one of those. I don't know how often. It seems like it's probably something a, a kind of a a go to for westerns later on. But the whole motif of the West changing, um, you know, running up against. Uh, technology advances in technology the railroad that sort of thing um it, it's, it's not a it may be at this time it was but it's not a, a, an incredibly super original idea but for some reason it always works for me <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 an interesting an interesting time well, well i wonder how much of it is is i mean i know it's a, uh, the changing of the old west but also when you start getting a little bit older uh it it really plays to no matter when you live about like if you say you're in your you know late 30s 40s 50s or whatever and you've seen things change in your life change that it 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 kind of you know it's something that that it really works for people because it's like eh, yeah remember the it's not like it used to be oh yeah yeah and then i mean we all get older and you know you never want to become that person that it's like you know back in my day but everybody seems to so yeah. Well, I mean, it's just the way it is. It's the truth. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the song was at the beginning. It's such a 70s thing. 
to have like the sappy sounding radio style, like radio play song and the intro credits. And like, it didn't feel like a, a Western even song. I didn't like yeah. it really. It was kind of sappy either. sounding. Um, but when we, when it opens, we have uh Palance and Marvin riding, riding through the mountains and we, we get established with their characters as, um, I guess kind of like journeyman workers. They, you know, they're, they're cowboys, but because kind of, because the work's kind of drying up, they have to travel a lot. That was Mama Cass from the Mamas and the Papas. The good times are coming. Yeah, it was was not good. The, uh, the, (laughs) oops, the, um, but they, so they, they, they just have to stay on the road all the time, finding new work. And it's not like they're just living on one ranch for half their lives. They, you know, they get nine months of work and then that, that dries up and they have to move on. So in the winter they're in the, I guess it's the winter. They're in the mountains and like, there's an interesting scene with uh, Lee Marvin uh, trying to shoot a wolf. They get money for shooting wolves, and he tells some, I don't remember the exact story, but it's about a, a friend of his or a guy that he knew that could wrestle a wolf, and then he kind of second-guesses the story. He never ends up shooting the wolf, but um, the one thing that stuck with me here, which is kind of weird, but uh, who looked odder with a beard, Palance or Marvin? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, uh, Lee Marvin has his facial hair changes with the freaking direction of the breeze in this. Uh, Palance stays pretty clean shaven, other than this first thing. But for some reason, they both look weird with beards. I guess, you know, d- certainly Jack Palance, you always see him clean shaven. But with Lee Marvin, you know, he's got, you know, like the dirty dozen look. He, I think that's probably what he's best known for. But I mean, he does the whole like mustache sideburns action in this. He does just the mustache, he does a beard. Like oh. it, it changes all the time. His stash is pretty epic, though, when he first shaves off his beard. So, um, but he does have, he does have that annoying look with the cowboy hat where it's turned up in the front. In the front. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What was the guy's name? Gabby Hayes. Yeah. Did he do that too? God, I hated that one. <laughs> Fucking just wear your hat. Why do you have to turn up? The yeah, front but I think it? that that if you were a a cowboy. Yeah, I can see by your outfit that you are a cowboy. That your hat, if you were riding like fast and stuff like that, your hat probably would flip up in the front. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, and probably he was Lee Marvin drinking so much, he'd probably push the front up so he could tip the bottle off as he poured the it's probably a whiskey whole, down his gullet. And probably, yeah, probably two fisting it. Oh um, yeah. The uh, your balances penis. Yeah, two-fisted, two-fisted Jack. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they always said. Proud flesh. If you put your hand, both hands around your penis, whatever sticks out the top of the the top hand is called proud flesh. Some girls told me that in grades or in like high school. I got, I got nothing. I was like, <laughs> does, does three inches of empty hand count as proud flesh? <laughs> the um. <laughs> so you get you get you get introduced to the Mitch Ryan character. I'm sorry, I'm just getting out of it here. Um, he he's I guess he's supposed to be like the young whippersnapper or whatever that works on this ranch. They get a job at, at a local ranch. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they do. Uh, Mitch Ryan is like a bronco buster. What is, what is it they do exactly? They probably go and round up the cattle and drive. Yeah, cattle they, yeah, yeah. Stuff. They see him riding riding the cat. They, oh, they heard horses at one point. Yeah. And then the worst job of all is riding fence. Riding fence, or the wor- or the second worst, and the second worst job is scrubbing the stinky chef. <laughs> that, you know what? That scene, fuck it. If I would say, you know, a scene that that sticks out in this movie is a scene that I always remember is 
when they're eating and they come in and they're starving. And they're like, mm, oh, that smells good. And then the chef starts serving them their food and they get his BO. And the looks on their faces are like, because they're new and they don't know that the chef stinks. Oh, God, that was really funny. The cook, cookie. But, uh, you know, the way the, the way they started off, uh, you know, you, you, you get introduced to Ryan's character and he's he's out kind of he's practicing his quick draw. And um, uh, yeah, uh, Monty Walsh. Like, so so Lee Marvin is his character's name is Monty Walsh and Monty Walsh is fucking with him in the movie right at, at this point. You know, he's he's trying to turn around and like shoot a can off of um, off of a was it a can? Yeah, I think he was just putting like a can up on the fence post. And then he yeah, and he would try to turn around and shoot it, but uh, Monty was kind of leaning out the window and shooting it off before he would. <laughs> and, it developed uh, some good Johnny Toe like camaraderie between. Yeah, and that's what that's that's what that's that's kind of like um, the was first. Bo couple. Hopkins was in this one too. What? He, Bo Hopkins was in this. Oh, this is the one where I was mentioning. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. Was the, he in the other one? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe not. But the. Um, you know, there's, there's, the movie takes a certain path um, from kind of lighthearted down to you know it gets darker and darker, which 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 works pretty well. But um, you know, everybody's just kind of like goofing, and you know they're doing their work or whatever, but they're just kind of fucking with each other. And you know, even at one point, that's kind of the turning point when they all they get in an argument over something and get into this big fight. It's after some guys got laid off. I think Mitch, Mitch Ryan was one of them and there's a couple others. Um, well, then there's one guys, remember they just kind of, they were out on the range and those guys had gotten laid off from another place mm-hmm. and they, they just, they showed up and you know, then it's almost like the, the one thing about this movie that, that I don't know if I would say it, it I mean it, it's done that way for a reason because yeah. it, it gives makes me feel this way is they develop that these guys are not, they're not bad guys or anything. They're, and they're friends and they joke around, mm-hmm. but it's the circumstances with the job and the economy and stuff that leads some of them to kind of take yeah. a different path. Yeah. And, and you then get, you get it like, first man. that you get it first that they're all like, even though they're like, they mess with each other it's kind of done in a fun way. And the turning point is that fight after everybody's laid off and, it, the fight is angry at first, but then turns to laughter, and then after that, it's just like any kind of uh, any kind of conflict you have has just com- gone completely negative. So, but the um, but yeah, we, we mentioned the cook. That was that was a funny scene. What he just stinks really bad, but nobody can tell him because he's a really good cook. They're afraid he'll <laughs> not make their food anymore. I guess, but uh, it's so you know so bad they have trouble eating. But that, that that was a really funny scene. I was like, "Well, there's only one thing we can do," and uh, <laughs> I just loved it because they Palance and Marvin were new, and yeah. everybody else knew it, and everybody else just dealt with it. And they they come in, and they're like, "Man, yeah, boy, that smells good." And they sit down, and they're like, "God damn, give me some of that food." And that guy comes over to serve them, and they're just like, that was really "I mean," funny. and they're trying not to to uh, they're they're like trying not to sell it, you know, no sell his. <laughs> fucking bo <laughs> even the uh, even the dog Fuck. runs the dog runs away <laughs> it was dumb but you know and I, another dumb thing that i laughed at was uh lee marvin's face when they're they so all of the guys like grab the, sh- the cook and they're trying to pull his pants off and everything to throw him in the water to wash him and lee marvin has is, he's got his feet and he's pulling his boots off and that he does this like really exaggerated like Bruh! like face <laughs> when the boot comes off and the socks near his face that was funny 
And then the chef, the chef gets his revenge on them for making him take a bath. And it looked like me and big lots after Taco Bell with all the guys <laughs> running to the, to the like shitter. Castor oil or something in their food. Did that, did that one, there's one guy that stops running. I didn't know if maybe he shit he in shit his, his pants, pants or what. <laughs> so, <laughs> They're all trying to get to the outhouse and he's just like, fuck it. Uh, Too late now. <laughs> um, that, never shit my pants like since probably I was a small child. I called into show show with a pants shitting story. You actually shit your pants? Yeah, in college. Well, I, I did. I did almost. Sh- I I sharded going into Kmart with my friend Jim, who I mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast, and we were walking through, and I was going to cut a big fart, like walking through. It was nighttime, and it was we were laughing, and I was going to go Burr, cut a big fart, and all, and I had diarrhea and didn't know. It. <laughs> and we walked in, and I said, "Ah, go ahead." I said, "I'm going to I'm going to go in the bathroom real quick," and I went in there, and I and I I took my underwear off, and it it you know. Of uh, course, but it yeah. hadn't had time to soak through, so I fucking threw my underwear in a trash can. Oh, I had to do that <laughs> and never too. Told him. Yeah, I, I I ate pretty much an entire blooming onion, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this is my uh, this is my freshman year of college, and we weren't allowed to as freshmen to park on campus. We had to park off campus, and it, it hit me that I was about to like sh- explode before <laughs> we ever even stopped the car, and it was like half a mile walk back to our dorm, and um. He, as soon as my roommate stopped the car, I just like busted up in the door. He's like, where are you going? I was like, I'll see you back in the room. And I'm like running, I'm sprinting down this fucking road. And, um, do you think the running made it worse? Or? The running did make it worse because it eventually I had to start walking like stiff legged. Um, <laughs> and it was still, it was still like seven o'clock. So it was still light outside. So I couldn't even like shit in the front of somebody's yard because I would have been seen. It wasn't, there was nowhere to hide. So I finally got up to the main road and, um, the main like uh, the 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 road that runs next to the campus, and there's a, there's a subway there, and I just like run right into subway and you know straight past get back to the bathroom, and as soon as my brain saw the toilet, it was like all right you're here, and I'm like no I'm not <laughs> done, and I'm like crapping as I'm trying to get my pants off to sit on the shitter. And, so close, so close, and yet so far. Oh my god, it was a, such a mess. And then I, uh, there was still enough left. Where I shit hard enough where it, it like geysered out of the toilet and like ran all down the sides, mm. and <laughs> it was awful. So I'm here now. I've got my boxers are ruined. Those are in the trash. My pants, <laughs> I've got shit all the way down into onto my socks. Like it was nice. like, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm there. I, I, I threw my socks away too. I, um. And there's, you know, there's crap everywhere. I, I'm on, I'm at the sink. I'm trying to figure out how to wash my pants off because I have to put them back on, obviously. So I'm standing there butt naked. Was there like a big, big round stain or big spot? No, it was down. It was it's in like down down the legs. Do the two? Yeah, down the legs. It looked like I, it looked like I slid in mud. Uh huh. Um, And uh, so I'm standing there, and it's a bathroom with only one toilet, and I guess the lock was broken. I'm standing there with no pants on, uh, no shoes on. Try it, and like there's like crap everywhere, and the guy opens the door, <laughs> <laughs> and he stops like dead in his tracks, and I we make eye contact, and he's like, it, I mean, I swear it felt like we were staring at each other for two minutes, but he's like, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> just shuts the door, and I had to put on these like cold shitty pants, and I had to oh. go, then I had to go and walk through campus. I, did you go just go to class and sit there? Well, no. This is after. This is in the, this is in the evening. So, but it was right when dinner was letting out at the dining hall. So everybody in my dorm was just standing right outside, and I had to walk right past them with shitty butt. Oh man, it was brutal. I I got in the shower with my clothes on. Like, like, 
or anything? Like, no, I, I was pretty quick. I don't know if any they they nobody ever said anything to me. I I called to my roommate because he had beat me back, uh, <laughs> and I said, "Can you please bring me a towel and soap?" And I just got in the shower with my clothes on. Nice. Uh, jeans are not fun to get off when they are uh, wet in the shower. So, eh. anyway, back to this. I bet you as much as Lee Marvin drank, I bet you he uh, sharded like lots of times. <laughs> Probably. Probably like splashed up on his mustache. <laughs> Lick it off. Um, let's see. Not Gene Hackman. Monty, or, uh, Lee you, said, you said Lee Marvin. Did I? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, now he'd shit like Gene Hackman. Like would be like uh, <laughs> Jimmy Valiant. Lee Marvin would he'd lay on the on the floor and Lee Marvin would shat and on Gene Hackman's face. It's, it's splattered. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the herding horses scene. While Mitch Ryan masturbates <laughs> in the corner. Uh, That's the, gross. The herding horses scene was uh, was pretty incredible. I, I love seeing how they get that many animals together at once. Like in unison was pretty great. Um, but in the then the you know you get Mitch Ryan showing off. I don't know if that was really him or not. But it was a cool scene where he kind of like they're riding in the town, kind of. Uh, slow paced and Mitch Ryan also just sends his horse trotting and like kind of like slides off and the horse ducks yeah. down his back legs and he just like stands he's standing up and the horse goes like running off he did like it was like a, a stand, he's like ta-da yeah Lee, well, I can't remember what Lee Marvin said to him well he said he said can you do that and he just steps off he ste- Lee Marvin just steps off of his horse like normal and he's like well I guess we all did it shorty and he's like what no you didn't do it he's like well your two feet are on the ground my two feet are on the ground. Neither one of us are on our horse anymore. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, there's a funny line. Maybe hammer and a nail into the hardware may be the kindest thing for her, huh? Um, yeah, this, the, the, that's the camaraderie forming between uh, between Shorty and Monty and uh, what was uh, Jack Palance's name? Chet. 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 That's a, <laughs> that's a weird, weird Old West name. Chet Rollins. My name's Chet Monty. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Jack Palance talks. Jack Palance, uh, he was just, you know, usually you would see Jack Palance in, uh, he'd either play a, a fucking total asshole, mm-hmm. you know, like in Shane, you know. Oh, yeah. Prove it, Shane. Uh, or he would be like the super hardened, tough guy. But in this one, he was just kind of a nice old dude, you know? Yeah, yeah he was smiling a lot. Like, Yeah, I like Jack Palance in this movie. Yeah, he'd uh, he's he was the um, Mont- where Monty's kind of the the seesaw between maybe um, Shorty and and him. So uh, mm-hmm. Chet is kind of like the he just has his head on his shoulders and he's getting his life together. And Monty's dealing with you know changing his changing society and you know his way of doing things isn't necessarily right anymore. And then you have Shorty, who's who represents like kind of the newer age the new generation i guess who i think shorty was more like um i don't know if i'd say immature but like doing stuff like that and shooting the you know quick drawing and shooting yeah. the can and stuff he's he seemed like kind of more like a immature guy yeah but whereas chet even though chet would you know be involved in some of the pranks and stuff like that he was more quiet but i mean just nice and lee marvin you know he 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 was more world weary, like like you said. I think Mitch Ryan's character was supposed to be, you know, like the like the, in, in any other movie they would have called him the kid, mm-hmm. you know. But he wasn't that young. But I mean, still, yeah. The um, 
the bar fight scene where, you know, in a typical cowboy movie, you'd have like the main characters getting into the big fist fight, but Lee Marvin just gets down onto his hands and knees and he grabs a bunch of people's money and just crawls out the door. Fuck, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, He's getting your ass whipped and uh, you end yeah. up with some money. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, who wants a black eye? The, um, <laughs> Jane even noticed this, but that, uh, Lee Marvin had some really spectacular teeth to be in the old West, man. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even try to dirty up his teeth. Um, what was the movie we watched where the, oh, it was a uh, dread. What's her name? Mama had oh, this fucking rotten teeth. Yeah, gross. <sighs> um, but as the movie goes on, you know, like I was mentioning, we get the changes being made, like phasing out the old West way of life. There's, you know, there's, you see the long barbed wire fence and, and the bar, you know, the barbed wire fence kind of almost phased out being a cowboy in general because they didn't need guys to like hang out and keep cows in line. They could just put up a fence and they wouldn't go anywhere. And, um, there's always that talk of the railroad coming through and the railroad completely changed everything because trade opened up and everything. And, you know, people could just leave. They didn't, they weren't stuck there their entire lives. They could have a much easier path to get out. Um, no, you know, there's guys start acting more wildly as it goes on. Uh, you know, well, like uh, Shorty showing off on his horse, but the you got the one guy. I guess he had lost his job or something. Just that he recklessly riding his horse on what they called Missionary Ridge. But there's robberies or shootings. I mean, it just it it's it devolves uh, as it goes on, or maybe it's evolving from something else. I don't know. Well, it's like um, uh, what you call it. Uh, I think that Shorty. Because of how, the kind of person he was, he was the kind of person that would adapt yeah. more easily and was more willing to, you know, say, "Okay, things are changing. I need to. I'm going to go get a fucking job." This, you know, hell, uh, it's like it's like uh, I've seen people even in my time where they like say they get laid off from their job or they lose their job that they've had for a while and they just like give up, yeah, and just like you know, well, I'm just going to go on fucking. Uh, welfare or I'm going to go on fucking disability or this and that or anything. And it's like some people just shut down whereas, you know, things change and you just have to, you have to change with them or you're not going to make, you're not going to survive. And he was the one that was most willing to, and that's, that, that was kind of the, um, the tragedy of it all is he was the one that was most, you know, Willing to say, okay, you know, I'm going to go into town. I'm going to get a fucking job. I'm going to get married, and I'm going to, you know. But yep. life goes on. Yeah. Whereas Lee Marvin's kind of like, you know, I'm a cowboy, and I'm, a, you know, and that's yeah, all and I've ever and been. And, and he's fighting it the whole way. And they, um, and then the other guys kind of they they go in a different direction of fighting it. Whereas they're just kind of like, you know. I don't know if I'd say rebel, but I mean, you see that today too, where you know, you lose your job and you 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 get in with the wrong people and mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. The, um, I guess the biggest, uh, symbol of Lee, Mar- of Lee Marvin's characters fighting the whole thing is the, <laughs> is the scene with the horse freaking out. Yeah. Um, that because, was, yeah. I, th- did you find that to be kind of goofy? I mean, a little bit too, <laughs> it was pretty amazing, but yeah, it was, a, it was a little too much. Cause he like, he, he destroyed he, the whole goddamn the whole man. the whole town is just obliterated by this horse and him. He's trying. He's he's determined to break this horse, and the horse is fucking like running upstairs and yeah, through I a shop through a window. I understand what they were doing it and why they did it, but yeah. I thought it was just it was it, <laughs> it was, was a little overkill. Fun. Yeah, it was yeah. A um, there's a you know the robbery scene later in the movie I thought was really well done. Uh, 
no mu- no music, just like a silent thing, and it you know it has a, a, a shocking result in the. Well, that just, a, I mean, honest to God, that just kind of like I I I don't want to sound like you know over hyping it or whatever, but that just whole thing just kind of broke my heart. I could see the yeah. other two guys, but with uh, Shorty, you know when. It, it was his yeah. moment to make a decision. Yep, yep. And it's like, fuck. And I, you know, that's the reason it was done. And it was done well because it made me feel that way. It was like, fuck. Yeah. And then the, and then the, there's a kind of a scene happens in a slaughterhouse later on. And I felt sorry for the cows that were falling down that chute. But yeah. But the, uh, the lighting in it's really well done. That was a really cool scene, too. So anyway, what do you want to add anything on? Um, there's, um, you have a couple of different, uh, uh, female characters in this which one is uh each man keys the things he loves <laughs> jean moreau who i like uh she plays monty walsh's uh, prostitute girlfriend and she's she, she's one of the de- the deal where um you know she's a prostitute and she works in saloons and everything and but you know she likes monty and he likes her so she doesn't make him pay and and you know they, uh, she loves him, and I think he loves her. Mm-hmm. But it's just another example of uh, Monty not wanting to change, wanting things to be the way they always are. Because he gets to the point where he sees uh, Jack Palance says, "You know, Monty, I'm going to go into town. <laughs> I'm going to get married, and I'm going to get a job at a store." And so you know he does that, and then Monty's like, "Well, fuck," you know. It's like Seinfeld when uh, uh, I think. Uh, Jerry tells George he's going to get married, and Costanza goes out and asks his <laughs> his <woman laughs> to get married. And then he comes back and he goes, "Guess what, Jerry? I'm getting married too." And Jerry's like, "Ah, eh, I fucking decided against that." Yeah. So he sees that Chet, his best friend, is going to get married and get a you know, the, the Monty's worst thing in life would be to live in town. He wants to live out on the range. Mm-hmm. He wants to be you know uh, free and, and living out in nature and everything. And he's like. You're gonna go live in town, you know, and uh, so he decides. You know what? I'm gonna do the same thing. So he goes to Jean Moreau, and and he basically proposes to her, and he says, you know, uh, let's let's uh, let's do this. I'm ready. Uh, you know, it's we've been together for so long anyway, and why don't you know? I'll get a job, and we'll do the same thing. And then she's like all happy and excited because you know who the fuck wants to be a goddamn prostitute? Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, but it, within that conversation, if the conversation lasted, you know, like uh, five minutes, when she starts, you know, saying, you know, all oh, this, you know, gets excited, happy, and everything, you can just see that his wheels are turning, and he talks himself out of it. And he's like, well, we really don't have to do it now, you know, I, I can come back and I can go and do this job and come back in a year. And then we'll do it. And you just kind of see the wind go out of her sails because yeah. she was, for a moment, she loves him. And for a moment, she's she's like, you know, oh, this is going to happen. And then he, within just a sh- that conversation, he, he starts thinking about it and talks himself out of it because it's change. And he says, well, you know, I'll go and I'll finish this job. Uh, and next year, we'll do it. We'll do it for sure. And that just kind of, and, and they don't, really say this but because you know of what happens to her but i think it basically my perception was that that kind of just oh she was uh, done it destroyed her she it was like 
you know, eh. uh, and and that was really sad because it, it, there was a situation where someone comes to Monty and says, you know, um, Martine, who is the Jean Moreau character, you know, she's sick. You need to, you know, uh, she 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 wants and and him, you know, coming there and what happens and everything. And that that was th- th- this movie has some very um, happy go lucky fun moments. And like you said, like I said, with the Johnny Toe movies, with the 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 male bonding, ribbing each other and having fun together and hanging out and they're all buddies and everything. But then it it really has some some heartbreaking moments. Yeah. yeah. Um uh, with Chet and Shorty and with the Jean Moreau character and Lee Marvin. Um you had Michael Conrad in this, who was <laughs> the sergeant on Hill Street Blues, who always <laughs> said, uh, "Let's be careful out there," uh, which I always liked him. You know, so he he died way too young, uh, had cancer. Um, let's see, G.D. Spradlin is in this, and he was also in the Hunting Party. He was one of Gene Hackman's uh, um, lackeys. Lackeys. Um, let's see, who else was in this? That was uh, there was somebody else in this that. Well, Bo Hopkins. Eh, whatever, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I saw this a long time ago, mm-hmm. and you know, I I've said this before, like with Dennis Hopper. You know, uh, for some reason, when I was VHS first came out, and I found out about Dennis Hopper, I watched Easy Rider. I, I you know found all this stuff in these big. VHS catalogs like uh, American Friend and Tracks, or or like finding everything that Peter Fonda I could find that he was in, and uh, uh, Tom Berenger when Platoon, or and there were several actors like that, and you know Lee Marvin I had seen him in uh, Dirty Dozen, and you know a few and Son, or Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and so you know there was a time where I was seeking out all this stuff that Lee Marvin had been in. And I found this one, and I watched it, and it, it's such a different Western because even though it does have uh, some violence and shootout and stuff like that, uh, it's and, – and it was presented this way, so I didn't expect it to – I expected it to be what it was mm-hmm. and not like a, um, you know, uh, just a, a an action fest. Uh, but I liked it because it was um, – you know, just these guys and their life, and and you know they were good guys. You you ended up having some some bad dudes, you know, in this, but not. Uh, do you have the IMDb page up with yeah. us? Yeah. Okay. You look at the cover art on the box, and look at Jack Palance's horse. Where it's I never noticed that until now. Like his his horse has like got its head on Lee Marvin's lap. <laughs> it's like it's like sniffing his elbow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. It's just a, I, I would have never thought of that. It's like the the horse shitting in the professionals and when uh, Jack Palance is laying there dying, you know. And, um, and the right in the background, this horse taking a big huge dump. I told uh, Scott with, from Married with Clickers about that, and he's seen that movie. Uh, I said, "Did you see the horse shit in that?" And he goes. I've never seen that. He goes, I gotta go back and watch it. Because I mean, it's not like it's just way back in the background. It's right close, and it takes a huge dump. So anyway, um, I like just about everything about this movie. Uh, yeah. If we're going to rate it, uh, like right now, I give it an eight point two five. Yeah. Well, other other than uh, the fact that 
and this isn't a this isn't a bad thing because Terms of Endearment was a great movie, mm-hmm. and I loved Jack Nicholson in it and Deborah Winger and uh, Shirley MacLaine. But it was just so sad; it just wrenched me and broke my heart and everything. And there were scenes in this that are like that, and it's done so well. Uh, I've recommended this movie to people, and you know that like Palance and Lee Marvin, and they've watched it and kind of been uh, underwhelmed by it. I think, but for me. Uh, I'd give this an eight point seven five. Nice, yeah. I really liked it. Eight point two five for me. I, I really like it too. It's it's not it's not a fast paced western. It's uh, but if you're into that idea that I mentioned about you know technology moving in and holding on to the old way of life versus change and you know that the violence creeping in and it's 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 well done. Um, and, and there's some real chemistry there between yeah. Palance and. Lee Marvin I, and honest to God, just until now, I just you know thought of the word bromance. But you know those two, if they would have been gay, cow, if this would have been this this easily, I mean, if this would have taken place so many years later, they could have easily had Palance and Lee Marvin as like you know like Brokeback Mountain characters <laughs> because I think that there was more of a bromance there. I mean, he wanted to be with Shorty out there doing that stuff, go to town and, and fuck a chick every once in a while, but he was happy being with Shorty. Yeah. And so when something happens there, you know, it was it was almost like, you know, somebody, I mean, it was his best friend, but still it was somebody that he loved and cared about. So anyway, I hate to turn it, you know, I don't hate to turn it that way, but I mean, you know. I love it. <laughs> Can you not see if they would have made this, if, if in the end that would have ended up being the, 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 uh, the I love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't quit you. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, that's a pretty high rating for me, but uh, cool. I, you know, I don't own this movie, but I would like to get it. If it was out on blue, I, would, I wouldn't mind buying it. That might be a tough one. Yeah. All order. Uh, maybe someday. It's, is it uh, out, is it easily available as far as buying, or was it hard? It's hard to find. Yeah, it's uh, it's out of print. I think so. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the easiest. The um, but you but you can get the uh, the classic Tom Selleck version. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? You can get a you can get a decent looking DVD of it on on uh, Amazon for fifteen bucks. Well, so. I will say this: I never saw the Tom. Se- I think I saw parts of it when it was on TV. And Tom Selleck plays Monty Walsh. Isabella Rossellini is the Jean Moreau character. Keith Carradine is Chet. And I don't even know who that guy is that uh, plays Shorty. Yeah. But anyway, you know, whatever. I've been thinking about something else. It's not out of print. It's 15 bucks. You can get the DVD. I don't know if it's ever going to be out on Blu-ray. But... Yeah. Cool. Good, good movie. Thank you again, Scott, for the recommendations. Um, let's take a break and come back and do a little feed sack that I'm going to bed. We'll be right back. Did you know that Asian people prefer being called Orientals? Did you know that Ching Chong, Ting Tong is a respectful salutation in all Asian cultures? Did you know that paper cuts can cause massive arterial sprays in Orientals? No? Well, then you should listen to Podcast Without Honor and Humanity, the Internet's fourth best Asian film podcast. Every week, your host, Jake McLarchuge, will cover two Asian films that can range from the obscure to the notorious, from a Sonny Chiba werewolf film to a splattergore atrocity, from Category 3 to the Korean New Wave and beyond. Tune in at the website, podcastwithouthonorandhumanity.libsyn.com. 
Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, or you can just search Podcast Without Honored Humanity in iTunes. So give Podcast Without Honored Humanity a shot and get cultured. Flawless victory. That's some weird music. Creep show. All right. Uh, we got some e-mail. Some evil mails. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. <laughs> um, I can't remember if I read this one, so I'm going to read it again, if so. This is from Steven. Hello, Loaf and Zom. Uh, I'm just listening to episode 103 and Loaf was talking about having watched some submarine films I thought I would mention one that I saw this past weekend Above Us The Waves with John Mills Mills? Um, It's about the attempt to sink the Tirpitz It's all based on a true story and even according to Wikipedia uses some of the original equipment That's pretty cool I thought you both might enjoy the film. I never sit any feed sack in for episode 100, so congrats on getting there. I truly enjoy listening to the show. It's helped me through some bad times I've had. You two never fail to make me laugh with your comments and have made me seek oot. I plugged that one in there. Seek oot a lot of films that uh, I would not even heard of if it wasn't for you, Stephen. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate awesome. it. Yes, yes. Glad to have helped. Above us the waves. I'm writing this down. Above us or typing it down. The Waves, because I'm always like a good submarine movie. 1955. Let me tell you something, people. I have uh, felt the same way where, uh, you know, uh, work sucks or whatever, and and I'm like, God, I don't even want to record. I don't want to yeah. watch these movies. And as soon as we start doing the show, by the time it's over, I feel fucking ten times better. Well, you know, ten, <laughs> ten times? Ten percent, maybe. T- ten percent better. <laughs> I feel like three dollars. <laughs> um, let's see if we got any more emails here Oh, we got one from FX Mr. FX Mr. Mr. Um, my dear cinematic cohorts Now what have I done? Now Sly's bald British buddy Has sand in his vagina too? What the hell is going on with, every, with, uh, with today's short action stars? I know these two have a deep affection for each other. The exchange of their loving looks while aboard that flying tank and those expendable comedies. They're they're supposed to be funny, right? Uh, That were quite touching. And perhaps the only moments of honesty in both farces. But come on, uh, bald Brit. Just because you you did a little high diving back in the day while wearing little itty bitty Speedos doesn't mean you have to defend your love for Sly's bulbous veins and inflated pecs with such venom and fury. Relax, everyone, please. May I suggest you take a little trip together, just the two of you, bald, brit, and sly, oiled up on the shores of some Polynesian isle, grunting and cockneying your way through an outdoor workout and swim with a 69 to follow? (laughs) 
I had a dream the other night that these two coupled and defiled biology by conceiving a child, a male. They named it Sly J. And much like <laughs> MJ, they were wise enough to wrap it up in garments whenever they tra- whenever they dragged and crippled, slurring little wretch out around in public. Much love to Cheddarloaf and Z-Man. <laughs> P.S. May I recommend Sunday Too Far Away for you boys? A wonderful Aussie flick from 75. Check it out, Mr. FX. Sunday Too Far Away. Can Sunday. you imagine what the veins look like in Stallone's cock? Ew. His balls probably have veins like like earthworms. <laughs> it's fucking gross, gross. man. Right. I don't understand. Even when I got older, like I I wouldn't want to take anything that gave me like those those veins are gross. Yeah. I don't like I don't know many women that I mean hardly any that I know that look at like bodybuilders that have those giant veins and go oh that's so hot. Well, they got the it's the the vasodilators. Oh. Um. All right, so we got one from Armin, and then we'll get to some uh, voicemails, and then we'll do some some questions. Um, hi, Loaf and Zom. I really, hi. I really enjoyed your team up with the GGTMC last week. This eh. helped a lot to bridge the gap in your schedule. Eh. I think you all did a tremendous job to work out the many interesting details of Johnny Toe's election one and two. So much that I will prob- probably uh, possibly rewatch them uh, both as soon as I find the time. In the moment, I have to burn through the second season of Boardwalk Empire. Uh, the first season really grabbed me by the balls, and I can't wait to see how Steve Buscemi's Nucky Thompson, Thompson, yeah, weasels his way through a mixture of politics, corruption, and violence. Always hunted by the psychotic FBI agent, masterfully played by Michael Shannon. I never finished. I never got past the first season of that show. I really liked it, but like I've always said, it's hard for me to like continue shows. It's really yeah. good though. Um, Aaron from, uh, from Mill Creeps likes it a lot too. So, um, uh, as a little baseline and filler for my eighties action needs, I will now start the Burt Reynolds flick Malone, probably featuring the curliest and most luscious <laughs> Burt wig ever. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Is the movie bad or just the wig? Uh, both watch <laughs> the movie Seamus with, uh, Burt Reynolds. If you want to see a good Burt movie. All right. Seamus S H E. S H A M U S. And it's Bert when he was at his best. He's young. He's virile. He does his own stunts. Does he have he's a mustache? A, he's a private dick with a mustache. Because I didn't like in Gator how he didn't have a mustache. Oh, this is good. This is a good movie. It's a forgotten movie, and I really like it. We ought to review it sometime. Why don't we do it soon? You yeah. Do, we'll do two Bert movies. We can do Bert. Early Bert. We'll do Gator and Seamus. Um,. Let's see. Uh, did not see the film in years, but have probably a little memory-tinted fond memories. I enjoy the Facebook group a lot these days. There's a ton of amazing and knowledgeable folks around. Maybe I will dare to call in at some point. I could try to work a bit on my Werner Herzog impression. Who knows? Hey, it's always going to be better than mine, buddy. Uh, thanks again for the great work. I'm looking forward to the upcoming episodes of Silver and Gold, the most iconic movie podcast on the interwebs. What? That, has, that doesn't um, have a promo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our promo is pretty good. I, I, I redid the audio. Sounds a lot Did better. Did you? Mm-hmm. I had somebody ask me the other day uh, to send them the promo, and I'm like, "We're too lazy." No, well, I, could, I got the new one redone. Uh, tell me who okay. it was. I'll send it to him. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Armin, for that. Um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll we we do need to decide what we're doing next week. You want to do two early birds? Early birds. Okay. Early birds catches the worm. Yep. So Gator and Seamus for next week. Um. 
let's see. All right, let's play some uh, play some voicemails here, and then we'll get to some other talking stuff. We got a few from Emily. She went to a, I think she went to a Ring of Honor a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, we that go. was a, that was a few weeks ago. But yeah, yep. I'm <laughs> calling to tell you guys about Ring of Honor last week because I know you enjoy hearing about it. Um, really fun. This was the Manhattan one that was in August 17th, I think. Um, let me go through quickly. I actually wrote stuff down in a post-it because otherwise I wouldn't remember anything. And no, I wasn't drunk, so. Okay, first match was really good because the guy who was wrestling was a heel and I guess his name is Silas Young, I think. He had something written on his butt that I forgot. I think it was like the last American man or something, I don't know. Anyway, he had a loaf mustache and he was the most amazing heel ever because <laughs> he just totally played the audience. It was wonderful and they had him fighting a um, like really... Like curly haired, loxy baby face who just needed to get beaten up. It was perfect. Um, next, we had a really good tag team match with uh, the CMC Wrestling Factory, which is a great name, and a riddle in it. Um, it was a good match. I'm going to call you back to the very last. Bye. Good. <laughs> Here we go. There's another one. I think this is a short one. She might have gotten cut off. Okay, continuing. Tag team match was very good. Next one. Um, I don't know what really happened, but Truth, the manager, uh, was there, and there were two chicks hanging out, and one of them ended up fighting, and it was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> and then it closed up with the young bucks who wear fringe, um, which is always exciting to me, life fringe, um, against the forever hooligans. They were amazing because they did Russian dancing. Oh, fuck, I got to run and catch the bus. I'll call back. <laughs> she, she always hates the, the, I can't remember what wrestler it was that would wear, like, the, uh, uh, Confederate flag. Oh, the um, who is that? The, there's two. There was a tag team. It oh was, yeah, um, Briscoes. Was that the yeah Briscoes? the Briscoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Jack and Jerry. Nope, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be impossible. God, poor, poor Jerry. His fucking hands, man. They look mm. bad. He was very nice though. Yeah. Not in Oli's book. He's not Jesus. Yeah, but Oli fucking hates everybody. Yes, he does. He fucking hates everybody. All right, one more from Emily. Okay, I got the bus. All good. I'm going to finish up now. This is my last time. All right, I forget where I left off, but I need to say that Forever Hooligans wore Russian hats and did Russian dancing, and therefore they are great, and I love them. Um, the problem was the second half. So the first half was amazing. Like, they were genuinely good matches. The second half was not as good. Um, it started off with, I have it written down, R.D. Evans and red-headed manager guy who used to wear a turtleneck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Looks like a toothpick with red hair. Uh, and is, but like the whole thing was him and R.D. Evans were like, hey, give us a match. And so then they sent out um, two people in clown masks, which I was not amused by, uh, which of course turned out to be Homicide and someone else who I forgot. Uh, but so the thing is, I like gimmicks. Um, it's what probably makes me not a real wrestling fan, because I enjoy a stupid gimmick. Um, but, and this is so gimmicky, but it, because they came out in masks, and they're wearing, like, pants and dress shirts, and they're wrestling these two guys, one of whom is on Wrestler. But it wasn't gimmicky enough to be. tried to make it a real match, but it couldn't really be, because they're not really wrestlers. I don't know. I didn't like it. It went on too long. 
then came Michael Bennett, who bores me and who I've seen in every one of these things. Only now, apparently, he's single, because he didn't come out with his lot brush. Um, his match was born and went on long. Then it was the match because it was 17 and Robert Strong won this week's first debate. Um, Kevin is getting bigger. And I mean, he's a good guy. But, I don't know. Brandon was very concerned for his week. Um, also, side note, there is a referee who's always there who's um, also portly. And I'm worried for him because I think the crowd chanting Twinkies at him is going to need more because he also is sitting on Twinkies. <laughs> That's, um, that's I, nice. Their final thing was Fantasy Match, Community Mark World, and Red Dragon, which included Bobby Fish, which the crowd chanted Eagle Mortensen, because my God, he does look like him. Um, nice. So then I was really distracted, because as much as I like the American Wolves, because um, they were actually you know, a very good team, I can't not root for Eagle Mortensen to win. Um, even though his partner had very little charisma, O'Reilly, I think, um, he was a good wrestler. He just had no fun with the crowd, whereas Bobby Fish was just chopping smack the whole time. That was fun. Um, I won't say who won in case Royals things. I don't know. You can go online and find out all of these answers anymore. <laughs> but that is my ultimate recap. Eagle it's all fake anyway. Hat, um, is the most important thing at Ring of Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Bye. This nice. is Emily Here, Meltzer. What? Give me a minute. There we yep. go. Okay. <laughs> so that's Emily Meltzer. I, I suspect if she keeps up at, the, at this rate going to these shows and everything, that um, the feminine critique will turn into the feminine uh, the wrestling feminine, observer. The, the, the feminine pro wrestling torch. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, uh, Emily. I don't know if this is a voicemail or not. What is this? Oh, that's silent. Uh, you're deleted. Sorry, whoever you were. Probably yeah. the best voicemail we've ever got. Ooh, here's something. What? No. Hey, this is Wendy Freeman. So what? I have a question. Who would win in a tag team deathmatch between you guys and the Rock and Roll Express? Also, what would your entrance music be? Love you. All right. So so we, we're, we're getting some people asking us some questions this week, and that's a good... Uh, good. Let, you know, before we answer that, let me listen, let's listen to one more voicemail, and we'll get into the questions. Now, you know, you two fucking meatballs talking shit about right fucking movies. (laughs) Now, let me just fucking get you straight, you know. Zom, bullet to the head. The greatest action movie of all time. You know, I heard what you had to say, man. That movie, you know? Hey. You didn't say that you hated Sly that movie. You said that Sly was pretty good. You know, Sly had good big muscles and shit. You didn't mention my fight, you know, in the bathroom where my underpants. I'm pretty sure you loved that scene, you know? <laughs> but yeah, let's just consider that Sly was not in that movie. Yeah, I agree. It would probably be a piece of shit. You know, I elevate that film into... Fucking another level, but yeah, without me, yeah, shit. Okay, so you know, but still, the greatest action movie of all time. Now moving on, you know, we got fucking Loaf talking about Expendables Two, the greatest action movie of all time. You know, doing a fart noise. What the fuck, you know? What's that all <laughs> about? You know? Did you see the fucking same movie that I started? You know. It's fucking great, you know. There was no memorable bit. You said there's no fucking fucking memorable in that bit, right? <laughs> you know, the fucking see, like the the bit without like fighting, drinking, good, you know, fucking that fighting, the fucking 
village, Jean Villain, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what the fuck, man? You know, Tom, you could have backed me up on that. I know you fucking loved Expendables <laughs> too when you saw that movie, you know? I liked one. I, mean, I, liked I think you should both go back and fucking watch that movie again, you know? Um, watch both mm-hmm. fucking Expendable films again. The greatest action movie of all time. You fucking love it, you know? Uh, but yeah, you know, it did. Uh, unfortunately, I did fucking get tricked into putting fucking Chuck Norris into that film, you know? What the fuck? He's fucking shit, you know? I will admit that. You know, luckily, Expendables 3, which, you know, is going to be the greatest action movie of all time, you know? We start shooting that now. You know, I got fucking uh, Mel Gibson in that film, you know? I know both of you guys are a big fan of him and what he does, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, fucking, who else is in this shit? I, I'm just trying to remember. <laughs> Wesley Snipes, you know? Wesley Snipes, he's going to be fucking badass. I remember how much you love Demolition yeah. Man. You know, just think of this as Demolition Man 2.0, you know? But it's called Expendables 3. It is not set in the future. And, you know, who knows? I may show my ass in this film. I'm not going to reveal whether that happens or not. You just have to, again, pay and watch that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You know, I don't want to go on too much about all this shit, you know? I spent too long just being battered, but battered down, you know, with the words that people say, you know? what? Fucking these words, you know? I'm not about words, I'm about action, you know? That's why I got big muscles. I got fucking tattoos, you know? You can <laughs> say whatever you want, but at the end of the day... I just lie. My movies are the best fucking action movie in the world, you know? And that's that. And it, fucking, you fucking have a look at how much money those movies made. Billions of dollars. And that's a fact, you know? I just lie. I'm telling you that. You can find whatever shit on the internet that says it didn't make billions of dollars, but I'm the one that fucking knows the facts. And that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. It made billions that's of dollars. That's fucking it, man. I'm fucking fucked, man. <laughs> I'm feeling good in a fucking angry way, you know? I'm gonna fucking work out hard now. I'm gonna destroy the fucking gym equipment, you know? The fucking weights better watch out. Sly is coming. Sly is coming for you, weights. Ugh. Uh-huh. Ugh. I think it. I think he made billions of Zimbabwean dollars. So. Yes. All right, so back to... Uh, Back to Wendy's question. Thank you, thank you, Sly. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, some movies just aren't for everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back on. I mean, like Tango and Cash is still one of like the greatest action movies of all time. So I could still say that. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so Wendy's question. Now her two things. Well, we can listen to it again. It was quick. Hey, this is Wendy Freeman. So I have a question: Who would win in a tag team death match between you guys and the Rock and Roll Express? Also, what would your entrance music be? Love you. All right. So, it would definitely be a lot of double teaming Ricky Morton, and he would sell a lot. Yes, Ricky Morton would take a, a total beating. Some tremendous beating, yes. I yes. would I would probably have to simultaneously play the uh, the guy on the outside waiting for you to tag and Jim Cornette at the same time because you you're obviously the uh, the power of the duo here. Um, so you'll have to do most of the beating up. Um, I'll be the Just guy that gets pound him down. Yeah, I, I would be the guy that you tag in to finish off the match, and I would do something. And no, he he would he would you would throw him into the ropes, go for the clothesline. He would duck under, 
Yeah. Then yep, yep. he would slide between your legs, do a somersault, tag in Robert. And then Robert would come in and he would punch me. He would punch you. Yeah. Um, he would do a flying head scissor on me. Huh? Um, I think Ricky double, would then come in. The double drop kick. I, I, I think Rock and Roll Express is winning this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, they, yeah I'll, I'll tell you what. We have some chemistry. But I mean, they're like fat and old now. But these and guys they still, you know, they can still do the double drop kick. They've been doing this longer than we've been alive, pretty much. So, but we would maintain our heat <laughs> because we'd beat them down after the match. Oh yeah, yeah. And leave them laying and rub Ricky's face on the concrete. Justin would come in with a tennis racket. Yes. And um, yeah. stick it up their asshole. So everybody would leave a winner. We would lose the match, but we would win the war or something. There you go. And then we would shit in their spaghetti in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and rub Jim Cornette's face in it. What um what was the last question? I already forgot. Uh what would our entrance music be? Uh, can we steal the since the freeboards aren't a thing anymore? Like two or three of them are dead. Can we just I'm steal theirs? For them to uh to uh Yeah, well, yeah. Bad no, I, I, I don't know what our entrance music would be. It needs to be something nasty and hot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't have a good one for what that. What we would do is we would take that song and we would just have somebody do like an instrumental and change the words around, like well, WCW did, or, <laughs> or Jimmy Hart did. Jimmy Hart did that. Yeah, shit. but uh, no. We, we, we maybe we'd have we could have the acapella version of it. We could. It would be each man kills the things he the thing he loves. We would come out dressed like two fruits, and your dad would be in the fucking front row, like Jesus Christ. That would be that would be the ongoing story: is my dad being disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. So you go. Each man kills. He would hit you with this folding chair in the back when you were against the ropes, costing us the match. You'd be like, Dad, I hate you. And he'd have Keystone Light instead of uh, whatever uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin drank. And every time he obliterated me with a chair, he would drown himself in a Keystone Light. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, we had some questions. Do you want to read any of them? I think yeah, you had why to throw not? it up. Let me get off this thing. I'm, I'm posting stupid shit. All right, while you're looking, I got one um, that Pierre through Le Window wrote to us. Um, as a divorced single dad trying to make it in the world today, it seems the it seems to take everything I've got. Mining the world of divorced single mums is a tasty task, especially pent up Mormons res- recently losing their faith. I'm finding now though that I just can't settle for any as soon as there is drama. I am off along my merry way to the next, thus leaving me vapid and unfulfilled in an emotional intimacy. Uh, what should I do? I keep going back to this one extra crazy lass. I just want to find my soulmate. Is that too much to ask? Yours yes. lovingly, Pierre through the window. Looking for your soulmate is like fucking um, trying to find. I mean, it's like shit, like as a fantasy or like whatever. Just find somebody and fucking just get it over. Yeah. And my my suggestion, or, like, get rid of the crazy. You don't need it. Yeah, they're the worst. They're they might be the greatest fuck in the world. Yeah, but it's not worth it. It's worth it, but if you can keep that separation. Yeah, keep just just don't you don't need the crazy anymore. My my suggestion is just go and like have some fun. If it clicks, it, it's like pretty much, and it's the old cliche. They say as soon as you stop trying, it just happens. Bah. So, <laughs> it does. <laughs> It does. You don't have to. You don't have to. If you force it, man, women will fucking run the other way. You, don't you, take any shit 
uh, here's the deal. Let me tell you something, people. There's two kind. Of, okay. Some people. Here's here's one thing that I will say. Some people are meant for a relationship. Some people aren't. If you're the kind of person that doesn't, you know, easily, uh, I don't know how to put it because I don't want to insult anybody. But if you don't take a lot, if you if you don't take shit, <laughs> and, and like have somebody, I I, I don't know, man. I, I just find that because I'm in this situation that you know I have a lot of people like, oh, you know, let me tell you something, people. What works for some people doesn't always work for others. There's some people that uh, you know, and and and. But I will say this: you're better off to wait and find somebody you do click with mm-hmm, than to because I don't know. I have so many friends that are divorced one time, two times, three times, have kids with this one and that one and this one and that one. I mean, I don't know, man. Just just see what happens and uh, you know, don't no, don't stop trying. Yeah, don't stop trying and get rid of the like I said, get rid of the crazy. It's it, it crazy ones if you're going to do that, you might as well just go out and pick up chicks for one night stands in the fucking bar because if you got a crazy one that that's a good fuck that you keep going back to but she drives you fucking nuts fuck that shit too much stress kick that cunt to the curb all right uh do you exactly read, do you want to read some of the other let me see here okay eric uh sent us a question question and we were just talking about this, uh, I think, like a week or so ago. It seems like it's been like two weeks since we've recorded. But uh, he said he has a question. When is the next karaoke contest? And it, 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 that is a coincidence because I think it was just uh, in between our last recordings, we actually had said that we need to have another karaoke contest soon. Uh, we haven't discussed it since. So we are going to... Uh, Probably, I would say within the next week, probably next episode or something like that, we'll yep. come up with a with a fun song yeah. that you guys can butcher. And, and I love the I love the fucking karaoke contest. Yeah, those are really fun. I, I you know, and when, when when you guys call in and we're laughing, trust me, it's it's not we're we're, we're not laughing like making fun of anybody because you know sometimes you know, we are. Lord knows, well, unless it's Justin. And we need to come up with a uh, a, a, a prize, so we'll, yeah. we'll we'll come up with a good prize this it's, time it's, too. It's just fun, and we love what like because we come on here and act like assholes for an hour and a half, two hour, two and a half hours every week. So if you guys can call in and seem a little silly too, it's all it's just really fun. Yeah. So. And um, some of yeah. them are really fucking good. So it is, and some of them are really fucking good. And um, and the uh, bad James just figured out how to record voicemails with his iPad. So he has garage band on that. So he can, uh, he can send it right to us. So, um, so yeah, there you go. That's, that's coming soon. So stay tuned. Okay. The next one is from D Mize. (laughs) She wants to know if we wear boxers, briefs or commando. Um, I will say this. I have done all three. Um, I never could pull off just the straight up boxers because I feel like they bunch up. Ugh, I and, hate and, boxers. 
Yeah, they they just bunch. Uh, so and and as I when I was a kid, my dad always wore just like the whitey tidy briefs. So I always wore those. And then I kind of graduated into the boxer briefs. Yeah. Uh, I had I, I remember Will talking about this, and I thought it was funny because uh, there was a period of time when I was in college and I was going out and fucking around a lot where I had a pair of black silk boxers <laughs> and i remember alec baldwin or so i've read something about this movie like that movie miami uh blues and alec baldwin had on these uh black uh like bikini briefs and i had these black uh black silk boxers and i thought they were so fucking cool and i thought <laughs> like when i would get ready to screw some chick and i had these black silk boxers on you know uh but anyway right now i'm boxer briefs <laughs> I am uh, almost exclusively commando. <laughs> <laughs> I uh about I don't know. Uh, t- 12 years ago, I um just decided, you know what? I'm done with underwear and literally <laughs> literally like maybe I've worn underwear maybe 50 times in the last decade. Do you ever have like a little drop of pee like after you go? Yeah, pee, so that is that, it goes all the way down your fucking leg. Yes, that that, that that determines now if I if I do wear underwear, it is boxer briefs. Now times I wear underwear, if I'm wearing a suit, <laughs> the pants are way too thin. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you used to wear. I mean, you wore the fucking tightest goddamn jeans at Whorehound. I don't even know how you could put a pair of underwear on underneath those. I didn't wear underwear. <laughs> Usually, 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 when the cock is small enough, like in my case, it doesn't really like show through the jeans that much. So with tight pants, you can adjust like to the direction you need to, and it stays pretty well. Um, but the uh, the only time I wear I wear boxer briefs are with the with thin suit like dress pants, or um, if I'm wearing like there's certain like colors of brown and gray that will show pee drops like worse than others. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll wear, I will wear underwear on those certain days. Cause I don't want to like have to walk back out into public with like a, a piss dribble, like showing through on the crotch of my pants. So I always hated wearing, um, like if, you, if your pants are too tight and you sit down and it, and it fucking like munches up or scrunches up your nuts. <laughs> Yes. And now, that, and since I've gotten older, I like. I mean, I remember when I was in like junior high and shit, we'd wear those goddamn straight leg fucking Levi's, that, and they were tight. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you know you're skinny back then. Yeah, I mean, fucking tight as hell. But I, 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 nowadays, I'm like, fuck, man. I like to have some fucking room to move around. And and I hate, I hate even if I have fucking boxer briefs on and you fucking take a piss and you shake your goddamn dick like you could take that thing and bang it against the wall and then you put your dick in your pants and you start you, you go to wash your hands and you feel a drip a drip one every drip time, every time and it goes all the way down the inside of your thigh and, and i'm like mother if i'm at home i'll take my pants down and get a washcloth and just like fucking because like, i i hate that i like have a drip that goes all the way down your fucking oh, yeah, leg yeah, yeah fuck that shit is that getting older what causes that that's weird i don't know no, I don't know. You know, I cool. So there you have it. You have boxer briefs, <laughs> and you have ninety-five percent commando with occasional boxer briefs. Jaw. Uh, let's see. Okay, Dave, Davey Mac uh, said that he would uh, go to Freebird Burrito, uh, go to Freebird Burritos, and take a pic, which he did. He so. did. So join the Facebook group and look at that awesome burrito. Uh, you know, just the fact I, I would love to go there just because it is Freebirds, and uh, you know. It's the baddest bad street. I, I just I just noticed so he so Dave Davey sent me uh he sent me some salsa a few months ago. 
little, little, he sent me several things, but there was this jar of salsa that was really good. It didn't taste like salsa I'd had before. And I realized, I thought I'd eaten it all, but I'd saw, I saw the jar in the back of the fridge the other day and I'm scared Ooh. to look at it because I think it might be. They have mold on top. Yeah. yeah. That's not good. Uh, we got a question from, two questions from Corey. Uh, what is your favorite or best Dolph uh, performance? Best Dolph. For me, that was an easy one, which is uh, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Yeah, he's really good in that. Um, I liked him in the first Universal Soldier movie. That was one of the times I was actually rooting, like like with... Um, like when he threw the grenade at the Vietnamese kids <laughs> and went, woo! It did the like, fist pump. He was good at that. I liked him in that movie. Jerk. He was a jerk. That's what I like. Because I was rooting for him over Jean-Claude in that movie. and um, He was pretty awesome in the fucking... Uh, um, what was the one before Day of Reckoning? Universal Soldier. Regeneration. Regeneration. Yeah, Regeneration. He went into a lot, though. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, and in uh, the one we reviewed, he was he was okay in the um, the Dark Angel one. Yeah, but yeah. he was too young in that. I don't yeah. like. You didn't like him as young. I well, like. Oh, Jesus Christ! That one with Brandon Lee. Oh yeah, that we just did, or the or red scorp- red scorpion with his giant burp and all that. Yeah, he was good in a lot of stuff. I, I just like him. I like old Dolph, and I like in Day of Reckoning. You know the 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 scene where he's in the the uh, whorehouse and and the guy comes in and he fights him with just the white yeah. shirt open, and he puts on that. I mean, he was just fucking slow and awesome. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Universal Soldier because I thought he was pretty funny in that. Okay. And the second question from Corey is your favorite, uh, uh, not best, but your favorite Henry Silva performance. Do you have one in there? Well, I think you I'll might tell you choose what, the same one I do. There was a couple of them that um, I, I thought I knew for sure what it was. Uh, I will go with Italian Connection. I do like him a lot in that. I... Th- um, then and go back to one we reviewed again. For me, I liked him in Megaforce. Oh my god! It Ace! wasn't his best, but man, he was having so much fun in that He's fucking with his stupid helmet driving a tank. The the second one that I thought of because <laughs> he was so weird and creepy in it, and I just remember. <laughs> so fucking scary. And uh, then, uh, and then I forgot about Almost Human, but I think that was more a million. What was uh, the almost, what was the scared one? Because you were cutting out. Uh, Sharky's Machine. Okay. Where okay. he played that coked out uh, fucking the assassin. He doesn't speak, but he's just so fucking coked out and crazy eyed and sweaty and everything and just nuts. But uh, I will go with the tight connection <laughs> with him and Woody Strode, and because I like that one because he's always trying to be. Uh, the ladies' man and the girl just like is so more interested in Woody Strode, who doesn't do or hit on her at all. Yeah, and yeah. he everything he does, he it just kind of fails with him. Uh, on. Yeah, Mega Force for me was really fun because I liked how much he looked like he was really digging it, like having a lot of oh fun. Oh god, that, that movie was so bad. Yeah, <laughs> and Barry Bostwick, I think, is going to be at Horrorhound. So, ooh, nice. Uh, let's see. We have we have another one from Demise, which is okay. Now this one is a tough one. I, uh, I, I had I to I think about one. it. Okay. Um, who is your most intense man crush? And you can't pick uh, each other or the GGTMC boys. Do you have Do you have one in mind? 
I started thinking about okay. The, I started thinking about like guys that I like to watch in movies, like Fassbender, Clive Owen, or Vigo. Mm-hmm. But then, as soon as it, as soon as I was thinking about those guys, a name clicked in my head, and I was like, "This is it. This is you know, but Clooney." <laughs> it's that's mine too. I love Clooney. God, I, I love think Clooney. He was, is awesome. I think he would be fun to hang out with. Yes, he's fucking handsome he's i love his movies i love movies he directs george clooney george clooney all the way we are gay for clooney on this show yeah i've loved clooney ever since he was on fucking roseanne (laughs) 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 oh yeah i've always been a big clooney clooney mark right here Uh, yeah good nice that was awesome all right is that what is that the last one that i think let me look let me look let me look uh, did it, is it uh, Demise also sent a question is it 9pm yet and why do you bastards not uh, record live or via video Ugh. who the fuck would want to watch that yeah for real no shit seriously it'd be, I think it would be boring yeah, it might be might be boring no it would be boring because oh, I mean we're just, sitting, we're just sitting in a chair doing nothing I'm, I'm eating my mustache a little bit and twisting the end Dr. Mengele did that, and he got fucking stomach problems. Had to have stomach operated on. Fuck, I need to stop. Because he got his stomach full of hair like a, like oh, a cat. See, no, can't see, I'm good with that. I don't eat the hair. Like I, I, when, I, when I say eating it, I just like kind of like... Chew. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, so we're recording now. It's after 9. It's 11.45. Fuck. Demise. Um, yeah, but we're done. We're about done. Uh, no, I don't think we'll, that we'll, we will ever do the video thing nah. i like i said sit, seeing me sitting here with my fat hairy stomach just sitting in a chair talking would be very boring i don't even know i don't even own a camera yeah so. i don't either all right well um like we said we're gonna do the uh the the young bert double next week um seamus from 73 yeah and gator from 76 um, so you can always send us feedback to 206-339-1600 or uh, email us at silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on our website at silvaandgold.com and join our yes. Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash silvaandgold. <sighs> I think I might be finally over the hump. I'm starting to feel a little better, a little hungry. So do the hump, do hump. Yeah, Loaf was having a medical condition. Ugh, it was bad. We didn't speak about that during the show, but uh, he he's a trooper. He I stuck it out. It. Yeah, I was poisoned. So yeah, there you go. Um, By Doctor Mengele. <laughs> fucking hair eating bastard. What an asshole. What a jerk. So we'll have to decide when we're recording because I think you have Horror Hound next weekend. Horror. Horror Hound. Nobody's going. You're going. Justin's not going. El Goro's not going. Bren's not going. Everybody's backing out. Will's going. Matt Mills isn't going. Lori's not going. Everybody, everybody that posted that they were going, it's, they're just trickling off. It's going to end up being me and Jake and Yuri. And Will. Eh, Will. He might. He probably isn't going. <laughs> Sammy will be there, maybe. I like Will. He's all right. <laughs> I like Sammy, too. Uh, cool. Oh, so, well, Tom Savini's not going either. Uh oh. So, like I said, I, I, the, the tension there will be, uh, it, it'll be a lot better because, you know, Jesus Christ, every time those two are together, my stomach just gets in knots. They're just waiting for the huge brawl. Fuck. <laughs> 
Alrighty. Um, well, until next week, and hopefully we're back on a regular schedule again. This is Loaf Oot. Sam Oot. Bye.